Our new partner who I'm really, really excited to announce we are working with. Super, super stoked. Thank you, Angie Huberman, for this connect. It's incredible. Uh, AG1 Athletic Greens. I've been using them for a while. I have them every morning on an empty stomach. Basically, take one scoop and you put it into a uh, cup or glass or mug of eight ounces of cold water. And this is all your greens for the day. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Every day I take this, it's so good for my digestion, my energy. It's simple. It's easy. I don't like taking a lot of vitamins. This has been really, really helpful for me. I've had a lot of stomach issues my whole life, and ever since I've been gluten-free and taking the AG1s, it's really helped me in my stomach in the mornings. I love it. I'm so psyched that they're part of the One Life, One Chance podcast. I'm sure a lot of people don't like eating greens, let alone drinking your greens, but I can tell you straight up, it's got a mild tropical taste, and the taste is actually really refreshing, and I really look forward to it each morning. Don't, don't think it's just going to be just straight bland. Um, it tastes really, really good, um, and it's good for you, so remember that. This one blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's incredible, just one scoop, especially for musicians who are vegans or just musicians in general who want to get those daily greens. You can get the packets. It's incredible. I just gave some to my friend Derek from Sepultura. He traveled the whole entire world this summer, and he had, he had those every single day. He said it saved him. I bring AG1s with me when I travel. It helps me stay healthy. You know the deal. If you're on tour and you are uh, a picky eater, but you need to have your greens, sometimes catering doesn't have greens. Sometimes you miss the catering. Sometimes you miss the backstage food. Sometimes it's too late after the show to go get food that you like. So if you just have a, a scoop of uh, AG1s in your hotel room before you go to bed or you're in the hotel room at night and you're starving and you want something healthy, boom, life changer. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with some convenient daily nutrition. That's all you need. One scoop in a cup every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. This is it. I'm super psyched. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash OLLC to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This is incredible. I love it. It's just basic greens. For me personally, this has changed my life tremendously. I'm not a junk food vegan. I don't eat a lot of fake meat, so I'm strictly, strictly greens. And this has been a wonderful, wonderful new addition to my life. So once again, visit athleticgreens.com slash OLLC. And get one free year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Athleticgreens.com slash OLOC. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. This is my first time doing a podcast on Saturday. Uh, welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host Toby Morse. Today I have a very, very special <laughs> host. Uh, host, <laughs> very special host today, Mr. Andrew Huberman. Do I have to call you Doctor if you're not my guest? Or you're just my friend. No, we're we're friends. Just call me Andrew. Okay, 
But Dr. Inhuman's here. It's just so <laughs> official. And then in front of me, I have Michael Blayback. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, and you told you. me so much about your fucking legend in the skateboard <laughs> world. Um, so I'm honored to have you in my kitchen. This worked out perfect. I'm honored to be in your kitchen. Yeah. So uh, how are you guys doing? Today's great. We started the day with a workout. Oh, you did too? You both yes. worked out? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What it, kind of workout? Uh, I did like cardio. He went to the gym. Okay, awesome. Yeah, you right. went to the gym at your place or you go off? Uh, on Saturdays, I go use a, a, a like a commercial gym. But okay, in the awesome. middle of the week, I was training at my place. But yeah, w- we can get into how Mike got into working out because it was not part of his world, but it is. <laughs> it certainly was not. Was skateboarding just your workout of exercise and... Just skateboarding, period. Just yeah, my yeah. life of just traveling and drinking and hanging out and doing anything but working out, pretty much. <laughs> Car- <laughs> carrying camera bags. Those bags yeah, yeah, are no joke. That's legit, too. Yeah. yeah. Every photographer that I know, they're, they're hunched over like a Wolverine, oh, you know, and their back just takes it. But yeah, we'll get around to Mike's uh, journey into Yeah. Into so, Steubenville, Ohio. Yeah, wow. Yes. Born in Steubenville, Ohio. I've never heard Ohio. of that place before. How, Most how, people haven't. <laughs> Is so. it near Cleveland? No, it's in the Ohio Valley where West Virginia okay. and Pennsylvania kind of meet up. And, and uh, how has it grown up out there? It sucked. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I was born in Steubenville, raised in a little town called Richmond. I have no idea how many people are there, but there's essentially no one there. I mean, okay. I talked to cows in my backyard and like went to the woods with like a shotgun by myself in the middle of the, you know, like I was just wow. as rural as can be, like nothing around there. It was, it was insane. Why? Um, you have siblings too? No. Only child. Only child. Yeah, yeah. Growed up into wow. Yeah, yeah. So what, it's what you do for fun? Like you just go in the woods? <laughs> Literally that. Like I would chew tobacco and have a shotgun, and I was a hick. Like just went in the, you know, it was insane. Wait, but get this. Wow. But get this. Mike is saying he chewed tobacco and shoot a shotgun. But at what age did you start chewing tobacco? Uh, like six, six or seven. Holy yeah. God. <laughs> and gnarly. And, and, it is gnarly. It was my, it, I didn't think anything of it. It was just normal. Well, I, I, I hung out with like older kids. Okay. And so they thought it was funny, you know, like, oh, gave me like skull packets and skull, like. Skull bandits. Yeah, exactly. Some kids got pacifiers. Mike got a skull packet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like uh, putting, putting a Parents little... don't do this, by the way. We're, yeah. we're, no. we're laughing, but it's just because it's so outrageously backward from what's healthy especially at that age yeah yeah in hindsight it's insane i mean now that i have kids it's it's completely crazy so you're just but, out there your parents weren't really strict at all just no like no they living. would they would buy me skull bandits like it was wow. like yeah was, <laughs> That's a, how long did you do that for uh probably till i was like nine or so did you graduate Couple, to smoking after that and stuff like that no i i i moved okay. i graduated to skateboarding uh when my parents moved to michigan i think i was like 10 or 11 i started skating okay and then that like that's Change all everything. I did. Yeah. Skating and photography. That's it. Tell us what your birthday gift was when you were uh, <laughs> eight years old. Uh, I mean, my parents, you know, we lived in rural Ohio. So it was like I got my parents bought me an AK-47 when I was like a kid. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, like I, I, it was that was just that was my reality. You seem like not that type of person at I'm, all. I'm absolutely not that type it's of person. It's crazy. <laughs> so skateboarding changed. I probably opened your mind in so many ways and just everything. Avenues. All yeah. That. Yeah, I mean, especially once I moved to San Francisco, my mind was blown, yeah. you know, but like even skateboarding in general, like my whole world was, you know, Thrasher and Transworld as a kid, like just yeah. pouring through the magazines. And It was just and, a kid you met when you moved to Michigan, that was that was it? Yeah, I met a kid skateboarding, and at the time I was in the BMX, uh, and then I just saw skateboarding and saw, like actually saw real skateboarding, and yeah. just my mind was blown. Like everything about it was amazing, just the artwork on grip tape and just 
it, the skate, like how creative it was, yeah. how creative the photography was. It was just, it was mind blowing. What was your it. first setup? Do you remember? I was a Neil Blender. Nice. Uh, I Neil Blender. GNS as well. with the guy, the coffee. Yeah, yeah I had that one too, guy. actually. Yeah. yeah. Indies. He's underrated. Nobody talks about Neil Blender that much. He's amazing. He had a good shape of his board too. Yeah. Yeah, he yeah. has a kind of a Gons-like quality to him. Yes. Like, oh, yeah. Creative and unusual. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Do you so, know Neil? I don't. No. Me either. He He's, still skates too, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah Grant, Grant Britton's friends with him. And so, you know, I've always wanted to meet him. Because in the last, like, probably decade, I'm like, you know, I've I've worked for Girl for a number of, you know, year. And then I was at Mad Circle. And then, you know, the last 20 going on 24 years i've worked for dc shoes and so i've been with like a small group of people but yet been in this like just you know family of skateboarders and so like about a decade ago i'm like man i I really need to meet more of these people so like (laughs) (laughs) we got to come out from behind the camera to do that i do yeah and so you know it's it's been it's amazing to meet you know guys like gab and Lance and just dudes that I've, you know, looked up to ever totally. since I was a kid, yeah. you know, and it's crazy to reach out to them now and, you know, we we know who one another is from our, you know, my tenure in skateboarding and yeah. it's, it's such an amazing thing. So did you graduate from high school in Michigan? I did. Yeah. And what were your goals when you were getting out of school? I wanted to be a photographer. Okay. Um, I didn't know how I was going to do that. Um, I worked at Ritz Camera when I was like 15 <laughs> until I was... Until I was 19 when I moved to San Francisco. I also assisted a guy that shot my portraits for high school. Okay. Um, he, like, shot weddings and, like, horse shit like that. And so it was crazy. <laughs> we would, uh, we, I would shoot the wedding and then go to the, go to the church and then process the film in the sink at the church and mount wow. the slides. And we'd have a slideshow at the reception blew people's minds wow which is crazy because how photography is now is just i mean it's yeah everything's instantaneous so it's like it's an amazing thing do you did you grow up religious no okay no i mean i was baptized catholic the family was catholic but certainly wasn't religious what about yeah. music i never asked you this were you into hip-hop punk hip-hop hip-hop first yeah i mean listen to tons of punk because of skateboard videos but mostly yeah. mostly grew up listening to like De La Soul and Tribe Ooh. and just tons of hip hop. Best shit, yeah. 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 Yeah, all those all those original skate <clears throat> videos were all hardcore soundtracks. That's all yes. I got to find most of my stuff, skate rock and stuff. Yeah. Then it changed the hip hop for the past 20 years, 15, yes. 20 years, right? Yeah. It was cool to see that change, like having that in there. Yeah. Oh, somebody's here. Um, so you're in Michigan and now, now what are you doing? You graduated and now you're trying to do take photography courses? You going to college and stuff or no? Uh, I went to college or tried to go to college i went to lansing community college um <laughs> max I, walked in the room yeah. <laughs> got some got a dap um <laughs> went to lansing community college because my goal was to go to brooks institute of photography because okay. that was like the pinnacle of okay. photo schools in america and um i went to lcc lansing community college and it it sucked i mean they they were like tried to you know, teach me things that I already knew. Yeah. And I was like, well, hey, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure I was a bit of a dick because I was a kid, but I was like, I already know all this stuff and yeah. I want to test past it or have the opportunity to. And they, you know, simply weren't having it. So I got my money back and took that money and moved to San Francisco to skate for the And summer. how old were you then? I was 19. How'd you get out there? I drove. Drove in my red Pontiac Sunbird nice. convertible. Yeah. By yourself? <laughs> uh, with a friend from Michigan. 
just straight through. That's like cool. we took turns like sleeping. Did they yeah. stay? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I quickly, when I moved to the city, I just, I used to skate EMB by myself and I kind of met all the guys in the city yeah. pretty quickly. Um, Carl Watson was one of the first dudes that came up to me and was just like, Hey, what's your, what's your deal? Like, I see you here all the time. And I was like, I don't know. I just, I'm from Michigan. Like I just, <laughs> I just skate here all Carl's the time. Carl's the greeting committee. It was okay. him, Nick Lockman and Sam Smythe. The guys, I think of them as littler, even though now a lot of them are taller than I am. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were little back then and they, they were like the greeting committee and they were the friendly greeting committee. That's cool. And they kind of usher you through and they'd, they'd tell you like, Hey, like stay away from him. Like, he'll steal your stuff like yeah and they they were great and now carl's still in it carl's writing kids books he works for adidas he's got a skateboard company yeah got some kids who also skateboard yes so it was like a warm welcome was like here's a new kid you know it was but embarcadero was a gnarly place so Mm -hmm. i wasn't sure how warm the welcome actually was yeah turns out it it was but you know i was cautiously optimistic of how warm it was you know i had my wits about me and i just (laughs) saw what was going on at emb um, but then eventually met everyone in the city and, you know, I quickly kind of was in the fold of skateboarding. I started working for Mad Circle very early on um, and was just, it was an amazing thing. So I, I just kind of started living with Justin Gerard and helped him with Mad Circle um, with like helping him with graphics and the ads and just kind of anything that he needed assistance with. I, we, we worked on it together. So that's awesome. Yeah. And then as far as photography is concerned, what was your inspiration for that? Why do you want to start taking photos? And we like kind of self-taught because there was no YouTube videos back then. Teaching there was you none of that. No. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's weird. I was always into cameras ever okay. since I was a kid. Like when I was in kindergarten, I mean, I like took my parents one ten camera and just i went on a field trip and shot just three cartridges of 110 film oh, of cool. just nothing and just was just fascinated by the fact that this medium of you know having a camera and getting photographs back and i started getting into it when i was very young and i had a dark room when i was i think i was like 10 or 11 Jeez. um right right after we moved to michigan and uh you know it's just like I'd read tons of books about it, read magazines. Like I just was fascinated by it. Awesome. But then when I saw skateboarding, it got me even more sparked on photography. Cause I was like, Whoa, like I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. Like Spike Jones photos and Grant Britton photos of skating where the shutters dragged and there's flashes in the frame. And it was nothing like the Ansel Adams books I was reading, you know, I was yeah. like, this is insane. Like it's so much like not cooler, but it's like, it's very creative. Like yeah. it just got me so much more stoked on photography i just i kept them separate though for so long like i would i would skate with my friends and then i'd go out at night and shoot photos of like i don't know dumb shit like barns or whatever and process (laughs) film and learn how to print and then i didn't really combine (laughs) the two (laughs) i didn't combine the two until truly when i lived in san francisco i I love the thrasher mags when they showed you like the different tricks you could do like all the different like a sequence you have a sequence shots there's no videos back then so you look at thrasher for all that stuff oh yeah i mean those were photos man yeah those those were hectic to shoot because you know film is expensive Mm -hmm. and so like someone had to learn like land something in a certain amount of time or else you know i'm like dude i'm out of film like yeah so oh right if you shoot 50 sequences you're like yeah so is that why did you choose to take photos of people that you knew could like land bolts most of the time. Like, some, you know. some people would get salty if you wouldn't shoot a sequence of them. 
really yeah they're like man like i'm gonna do this and i'm like nope like yeah <laughs> wow yeah answer me this um i guess this would be the uh well i i want to keep this relatively uh, pg-13 i guess this would be the the fake orgasm of of uh, photography did you ever say i'm shooting the sequence but you actually weren't wasting film because you knew they wouldn't make it no Ooh, i never question. no i never did that okay i did <laughs> mike I, never faked it i did <laughs> i did although blow it and like run out of film or somehow like you know fucked it up yeah and then like if danny or someone was like hey like did you get it and i'm like yeah i got it but i i think you could do a little bit better Mm. and like (laughs) and fortunately he always did because i you know i always wanted to have confidence in what i was doing but yeah i kind of blew it a couple times with sequences but fortunately like i always pulled it off well when you're taking photos of danny way in the 90s chances are whatever he's doing you want to be capturing that yes although He's such a gnarly human being that he would skate for like six or seven hours wow. straight. Like I would be sore shooting photos of him, yeah, just standing yeah. there and running around on the ramp. And and when I started to run out of film with him, he'd be like, "Dude, you should always have like a thousand rolls of film." And I'm like, <laughs> "That sounds like Danny." Yeah, and that's I'm a like, compliment, Danny. By yeah. the way, and I'm like, "That's like six grand." He's like, "So?" And I'm, he's like, "We have a fridge. Put it all in the fridge. It's fine." And I'm just like, dude, like, so I always had like a lot of film. This was when I worked for DC and yeah. they were buying my film. And so I was like, I theoretically could buy a thousand rolls of film, although I didn't want to stand there and shoot a thousand rolls of film because yeah. it's gnarly. Um, but yeah, we, we went through a lot of film at times. Do you remember your first like uh, photo in the magazine? Yeah, it was of Edward DeVera doing a switch frontside 5.0 at the Federal Building in San Francisco in 94. Wow. Yeah. So are you taking photos and submitting them? Is that how that happens? Um. So when I was a kid, when I was in eighth grade, I wrote Grant Britton a letter. Okay. And I was like, hey, dude, like, here's some photos I took. Like, how do I take photos? It's cool. And he just kind of wrote me back and was like, your horizon line was off. He tells everyone that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we had a bit of correspondence. I think I wrote him like maybe two or three times from middle school you know through when i graduated high school it's cool and then when i got to san francisco i called him i you know called transworld cold off, called him yeah, yeah. Call, you know it's like yeah. no cell phones like i called transworld like called the office and was just like asked for grant britain like called the receptionist <laughs> and i was like hey i'm the dude that like i'm from michigan like i wrote you letter he's like oh yeah i know who you are and he's like what are you doing in san francisco and i'm like i pretty much moved here and um, and he's like, well, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm friends with like Mike Carroll and Javante and Chico. And he's like, I'll send you film. And wow. I was like, whoa, really? And sent me a box of film. My mind was blown. That's incredible. That oh, was the coolest thing ever. Like, wow. it, yeah. Sent him some photos. And he was, he called me and he was like, hey, like called my house. And I remember my roommate was like, Grant Britton's on the phone. My mind was blown. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was like, what are you serious? Like, are you messing with me? And he told me, he's like, hey, your photos are a little out of focus. Like. You should probably get a new lens, and so I got. Whatever honesty was with you, man, from the jump. Oh no, he's he's I mean the best, and so it's funny because I got a new lens because I had an off-brand like a Sigma lens at the time. I bought a Nikon one, and uh, he sent him photos, and he's like, "Dude, your photos are still out of focus. You need to get your (laughs) eyes checked." And yeah, I went and got my eyes checked. No and, way, yeah, yeah. Man. That's why I have glasses. Wow. Photographer yeah. with some visual issues, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they look sharp to me, but I couldn't see because they were, you know, my that guy's, vision was That guy's clear. amazing, man. Wow. He's the best. Yeah, he's Just the like best. writing a letter back to some kid, some random kid hitting him up, you know, for advice. Yeah. I mean, it's a trip because we're very good friends now. Yeah, we're neighbors. Sure. I live like a mile away from him. 
And it's a trip that, you know, someone that I used to write a letter to when I was in Lansing, Michigan as a kid in eighth grade, you know, uh, like 13 years old, I'd writing him letters and now we're, we're neighbors and really good friends. It's, it's amazing. It's man. all a trip. Yeah. And how good were you, how good was your skating skills back then? Good. I mean, you know, like I think that's maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm a skater, so I feel like a dumbass even saying good, but yeah, I could <laughs> skate. I mean, it's how I got to be, become friends with a lot of the pros. Yeah. Did you want to go pro? You know, I, I kind of, I don't know. No, I never, I never when especially not when I moved to the city and I saw like, yeah. again, like saw Carl and Scott Johnston and Javante yeah. and all those dudes. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Like, I, you know, but you could lip side brown, mar- brown marble benches. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I could okay, so you know, skate, skate around the city. <laughs> more of a street skater than ramp skater. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Transition, transitionally challenged. Okay. Never. I never had ramps like growing up in Michigan. None mm-hmm. of my friends had any. So I only yeah, no, on the K-47, streets. but no. Transition. <laughs> <laughs> she went to back. Good, couldn't find photos. it. You know, it just yeah. wasn't accessible. Yeah. Absolutely. Chewing tobacco, taking photos. Well, <laughs> when I was taking photos and skating, I put the guns and the tobacco down. Wow. And yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's like, that's just like your normal, like living like that. When you're growing up in that area, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's why I went, the first time Mike told me that, like, oh yeah, my eighth birthday, I got a can of dip and an AK-47. <laughs> I was like, whoa. You know, and actually there's a kind of famous photo that Mike has in his book of his parents standing in a field wearing i think your mom's wearing a mad circle shirt yes and she's holding a machine gun or a my, shotgun. Wow. my parents both are actually have guns my i well i moved you know i moved to san francisco and you know started working for mad circle like started to see like my you know my eyes were open to so many more things than, yeah. I, than growing up in the midwest and it was one of the first times that i went back to michigan to, to visit them yeah and i got to my parents house and my dad's out back like shooting and i'm like what are you doing like it was just so my it was so weird to me even though that's how i grew up i mean one of the only things i ever did with my father was going to the gun range and like reloading ammo and like just doing all those things as a kid is that's all i did and he's like oh i'm testing out a new laser sight like on my uzi and i'm just like oh my god like what (laughs) like this is insane was he was he a prepper was he preparing for the apocalypse Mm. you know i think that he was a pre-prepper i think it was before there were preppers but yeah Yeah. they just you know and it wasn't he wasn't you know and like how things are now he wasn't like a militia or like wasn't like he just truly liked guns and like you know was in the military and just you know we'd go to the the gun range and that's pretty much how it was so it was normal for me growing up but even even the short time that I was in San Francisco and I went back, I was like, well, this is insane. Like, this is a trip. You know, yeah. like, my mom, like, I'm like, hey, mom, will you, will you grab a gun? And I just shot a portrait of them out in front of their house. Like, yeah. <laughs> and it's such a, the Andrew, the one Andrew. Because you moved to, to such a big multicultural city. It's like an amazing city, San Francisco. Oh, it was amazing. Like, I loved it. You yeah. Know, I loved it. I, as soon as I drove over the, the Bay Bridge coming into the city from Michigan, I knew I wasn't going to leave. Yeah. Like, you know, Lansing, Michigan, I mean... This is night and day, man. It was night and day, you know. I, I knew, even growing up, that I was not meant to stay there. And when I when I went there to, to skateboard, you know, for the summer, I was like, I'm, I'm for sure not leaving. And like, parents, I was in heaven. Your parents were supportive of that? You going out there and... Yeah. take photos. I'm going to skate. I'm going to Yeah, I mean, you know, I, as you may have gathered, uh, being, you know, being able to grab a shotgun and a quad, yeah. was, I was pretty feral. As a kid growing up, you know, so they were like, sure, you want to go to San Francisco, whatever, like, you know, and I'm sure my, you know, my parents loved me like they didn't, they were just like, 
do whatever you want. But it was kind of like they understood. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big deal, man, going out there and making that move, not really knowing anybody, you know? Well, yeah, and Embarcadero in the early 90s, was, uh, late 80s, early 90s, was, was a, like a little city run by kids. What's that area? Like, you break that down. I heard Justin that name. Herman Plaza, right at the okay. end of Market, where Market hits the bay. Okay. Um, they've taken out a bunch of the blocks and the gaps and things that were that made it famous, but there's, um, there's a bunch of little spots there that are iconic. Now, actually, um, Mike, you should probably t- talk about Hubba's. Hubba's hideout and then, <laughs> and probably the 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 picks and the and the famous pick. Yes, well, I, I can mean, call it famous because I didn't take it, <laughs> but yeah, it I is would, famous. It, but yeah. there were a bunch of little spots down at the end there. It's a little bit like a Washington Square Park, okay. or now Tompkins, you know, Tompkins Square yeah. Park, or in Philly Love Park. You know, there are these spots where basically either the cops don't care or there's so many kids there so often they just give up they're gotcha. just like we give up okay yeah emb was kind of like that you know it was at the end of market street mm-hmm. and you know i lived uh in western edition so i'd bomb like either haze or hate skate down market hit all the spots like brown marble benches pine street bump like kind of cruise down and end up in embarcadero and that's the end of market street and just skate there all the time and to andrew's point just people it was like live there yeah. You know, and it was just a place where you can go and hang out and go to Carl's Jr. and get some food and like kick it. And it was, you know, people were playing dice, smoking weed. Like it was insane. You know, wow. it was just, it was, I mean, for Fights. me, fight. Yeah, it was chaos. It was crazy. I saw, I, I mean, I'm not suggesting kids grow up like this, but I remember going there when I was like 14. I saw fights, drugs, alcohol, sex, um, wow. more fights, drugs, alcohol, sex, amazing skateboarding. Um, In the mix. Criminal, like <laughs> criminal people there were just there to steal stuff from tourists or new kids or people would just come up and focus your board and like I mean just crazy it was just it was, if you give a, a kids a plot of land yeah and their age you know 14 to 30 and you put all that in the mix in a city and you had inner city kids I mean you had everything yeah, yeah. I mean it was beautiful but it's also why when Carl came up to me I was like okay like you seem really nice but I was like a little like, all right, like seeing what was, knowing everything else that I'd seen there. Yeah. It, you know, it was, it was insane. To I trust mean, somebody, yeah. And just yeah, like. Yeah. Wow. But fortunately, like he's amazing. Every Everyone there was just incredible. Like, I, you know, I, I met everyone and, you know, like I said, Chico and Scott and everyone was just so amazing and so welcoming and nice. So Yeah. And how long did it kind of take to kind of make your name? Because there's like no internet back then. Like, you're the guy for the photo. Like, um. You know, What's his famous photo he's talking about? Uh, he's referring to Eric Costin, okay. back nose, blunt slid, uh, hubba hideout, which was one of the crazier tricks, probably the craziest trick done on it, um, up to when it got torn down. Um, Why was it called Hubba's Hideout? I know, I know <laughs> yeah, this, but I I'm going to prompt it. Well, because people would smoke crack there, because it, like, it was like a hideout. Like, it was, okay. it was under some trees, and like it was kind of like a cutty spot, so you know, that's why people call crack, and that's, they'd hang wow. out there. Yeah. And, you know, on this photo he's referring to, there's all kinds of sketchy graffiti on it. And so it was, ama- but it was, as far as skateboard spots go, it was amazing. It was like an amazing spot. And so it's w- one of the photos that I've shot over the years. It's probably more looked back on than, than others. Cause it was the cover of Transworld, the wow. photo annual. Like it was, it was amazing. Was that your first cover too? It actually was my first cover. That's sick. Did no. they pay you? I always wonder, <laughs> cause in skateboarding, I, I, yeah, I always wonder, like, did, you know, or was would you? You probably would have done it just for the 
that no they paid me everyone paid me and you that's still would have done the cover though probably right oh yeah hell yeah for exposure yeah, yeah. no i got paid 500 bucks Same. for the cover of trans world yes <laughs> hey trans world i don't know you guys we gotta step up your game <laughs> no, that's that the like kids coming up are like up oh, not but it's actually a thing because now i think you know people think how will i make a living doing something but what i think is so beautiful about your story is that i don't I never once heard like, oh, I did this to make money. Like, yeah. you, you worked at Mad Circle or didn't you? You worked at the Gap. Well, I, I worked at the Gap. I worked in the stock room in the back. <laughs> nice. It sucked because I had to be at work at like 4.30 in the morning. Wow. I was pretty much always either still drunk or hung over when I got to work. And sometimes I pull all the shelves into the corner because there's the one on Powell Street. It's massive shelves. And I would just lay in like a bunch of like clothes and like take a nap <laughs> in the back, all the way in the back of the stock room. Um, but one day when I was working there, um, this is before I worked for Mad Circle, Scott Johnston came in and was like, hey, I don't know who it was, but someone flaked on him uh, to shoot a photo. He needed. He's like, hey, I need a photo for an ad. And so um, he's like, can you do it? And I'm like, sure. I, so I went home, got my camera, shot the photo, got the film processed, handed in, got paid like 250 bucks. My mind was blown. I was like, "Whoa, yeah. this is way more than I make in two weeks of folding shirts at wow. the Gap at four thirty in the morning." So I next day quit my job, and like was like, "I'm done." Just went for it. Went for it, and then shortly thereafter, I started taking a lot more photos because Grant had sent me film, and then got a retainer from Transworld, and then started working. I had a got a s- small salary from Mad Circle. So the retainer, so you can only shoot for them, basically. Yes. Okay. Yeah, because you know that was Thrasher territory. Oh yeah. And so like. Uh, Transworld didn't have someone in, you know, SF. And, uh, you know, and I, of course, like I loved both magazines, but I looked up to Grant and was, you know, had correspondence with him ever since I was in eighth grade. Yeah. And it was funny because when I would like, you know, you'd see Phelps, Jake Phelps, editor, Thrasher Mm -hmm. at the time. And, you know, I'm sure you've heard he's gnarly. And then whenever he'd see me bombing a hill, he's like, what's up, Grant? Because I worked for Transworld, and i always took it as a compliment i'd be like fuck you jake like just keep skating you know it's like this thing where i was like i was the Transworld guy in sf for a, for a little bit so, so was there crazy like competition between those two probably right thrasher and there Transworld? there was but i mean you know i you know i skated in the city and uh you know i was a skateboarder yeah you know, i was a photographer so there was there was nothing weird for me you know what i mean it was like Jake was only messing with me like he messed yeah. with everyone else. One thing that I think is different about you, and I know there are other photographers that skate and skate well, mm-hmm. but like unlike filmers, and oh, and by the way, uh, what I learned the hard way is that you can never call a photographer a filmer. I once asked Mike, <laughs> I was like, do you ever shoot any any like video? And he was like, come on now. No. <laughs> well, I think you referred to me as a filmer. What, what's that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so so right. I maybe took slight offense exactly. to that. So. <laughs> exactly. So the, um, uh, there's, a, there's a similar thing in, in medicine, but I'm not going to say it because uh, I don't want to offend anybody. But, um, but I, I think for, you know, filmers have to keep up. They have to push, yeah. like, ollie up a curb or, like, keep up. And some of the stuff that people do, like GX1000, the kids oh. that bomb these crazy hills now, yeah, the that. guys that follow them might even be gnarlier because they're holding a camera. Totally. If you think yeah, about it. Insane. That shit's crazy. But, but in terms of, uh, you were one of the few photographers that I knew of that was good at skateboarding also. There are others, like Spike actually could ride and, like, do some stuff. Yeah, but, I mean, that, you but, know, but, yeah. you, but, you know, Spike you Jones could. Gates? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're we're not comparing skateboarding skills here, but like, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Um, um, and he's known to make a good movie every now and then. Just kidding. He's amazing. Right. Of course. (laughs) Incredible. So talk about filmers, but, and photographers, but yeah, Mike, I think was unique in that you were, 
in the fold in EMB, like I knew who you were because you were considered a skateboarder and a photographer or a photographer and a skateboarder. Whereas a lot of photographers that we knew at the time, they were liked, but they, they didn't look like they could do much more than push. They were real good at the sitting part and the crouching part. I'm not trying to insult him, but they, they didn't, they weren't going to lip slide brown benches. They weren't going to bomb down market street. Yeah. yeah. Right. Hit the pine street bump, as you said, right. <laughs> or head to, or head to, um, you know, any of the major spots and actually skate. Yeah. And so I think if you actually do the thing that you're taking photos of, I do think it gets you faster cred. Well, you're sure. like kind of in the fold with everything, yeah. with everyone a little bit more. And, you know, I wish that maybe I weren't, or I didn't love skateboarding as much at the time because I would have way more photos. Mm. I mean, I, I took literally took enough photos to like buy weed, pay rent. That's it. You know, like, <laughs> so then if I, you know, if I I'm not going to ask what your budget was. It was that. pretty, it was, it was less than a thousand dollars a month. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So that, what year was that? Uh, 94 and I moved it's pretty much 98, moved to LA, started working for girl skateboards at the time. Okay. Yeah. So were you a big partier too? Not huge partier per se. Stoner. Absolutely. Okay. Like grade A stoner. And um but not a massive partier. I didn't start drinking until like later. Um, but still didn't like party. I just drank because I was always around it and on tour and yeah. with people and it was just like what everyone, you know, around me kind of did. Yeah, so. it's a big it was a it's a big thing in yeah. skateboarding, even still probably, right? Yes. I mean, less, well, less so now, I think, than maybe then. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I just, I loved skating so much and loved shooting photos and unfortunately loved smoking weed a bunch of time. <laughs> <laughs> but just didn't love partying as much as I loved those other two or three things. Yeah. So. So when's it take, then suddenly just pretty much full-time skateboard photographer. Yeah. It, as soon as I quit working at The Gap in yeah. 94, that's it. So I, I lived in the city about three months. And then I, that's what I did for a living. And that was it. I haven't had a normal job since. Since? No. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, Lifer. Man. Yeah. Lifer. Lifer. Yeah, it's 28 years I've been doing the same thing. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible, man. I have a question about girls. Because so, I remember, <laughs> even though I basically left skateboarding at that point, always kept an eye on it. I remember when there was that big exodus of guys from San Francisco. We call it the city because we're from there. But of course, if you're living in New York, it's <laughs> yeah. like cities in New York. But San Francisco, unless otherwise uh, stated, the city means San Francisco in this conversation. But I remember hearing, oh, you know, Mike Carroll and Henry and everyone's moving down to L.A. And it was like this big deal. Yes. It was like, wow, like, are people leaving the city? Mm -hmm. Is it no longer the Mecca for skateboarding? So what was that like coming down here to Los Angeles? And, and how do you get in the fold with girl? Well, I was friends with you know Meza, Carol, Chico, like all those guys lived in the city, and and yeah. at the time, like in the in the late nineties, there was this like weird tech bubble, not like it is now, but it's like things started getting extremely expensive, so mm -hmm. that's why everyone fleed the city and went down to L.A. Yeah. and for you know like for Chico and Mike, like Girl was down there at the time, and I just coincidentally, um, you know, I was having my son Noah, he was born in mid 98 and so that's where his mom's family lived and there was more stability there so i moved down to la at the same time as all those guys yeah. and i remember showing up at carol's house and i was like oh it's Mesa, it's scott it's chico it's tony ferguson i'm like 
this is amazing. This is just like we're in San Francisco. Yeah. And so I started like hanging out with those guys all the time and shooting photos because, you know, I now had a reason to shoot more photos than just to buy weed and pay <laughs> rent because I was having a child. Yeah, totally, so yeah. I was like going out with them all the time. And then, you know, uh, Rick and Mike just decided to put me on salary and shot all the stuff for this four stars. Yes, Rick Howard. Another Sorry. Midwest guy, right? Uh, he's from Canada. Oh, really? Vancouver, if I'm not mistaken. It's Midwest to me. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I could be wrong about exactly where in Canada, but I do. Sorry, I have tons Canadian. of Canadian friends. Just joking. Um, <laughs> is there a big difference with San Francisco skate scene and then Los Angeles? Obviously, all the hills, just the You different... need a car. Yeah, right? a car too. Yeah. You absolutely needed a car, and True. you were in your car all the time. All day, yeah. So I went from not having a car, because mm. I got rid of the red Pontiac Sunbird <laughs> um, convertible, <laughs> um, and then just, you know, skated around the city for years yeah. and then all of a sudden spent most of my time in the car. Cause when I moved to LA again, I knew I was having my son. And so I would go out on like two or three sessions a day. Like I was just all over the city shooting, grinding, like shooting skate photos all day, every day. Wow. Um, but it was, I mean, it was fun. That's what I loved doing. I yeah. loved being around, you know, my friends skateboarding and shooting photos and they at the time there was like five or six magazines they were all getting printed getting used by girl and so it was it was incredible and the fact that i you know had the opportunity to work for girl at all the best dudes you know it was like costin and guy and like it was incredible it was like so much fun were you living with noah's mom at that point yes okay yeah we lived with her parents up in calabasas how old were you when noah arrived 24 wow yeah same age as my son is now yeah, my son's 24 He's now. a good, a pretty decent skateboarder, too. Yeah, he's really? He's amazing. Yeah. Street good skater, stuff. too? Street skater, excellent style, hates everything. It's amazing. <laughs> this is <laughs> what Mike's, Mike's always talking about. You know, hate, skateboarders just hate everything. I know, man. Well, it's the dopest thing. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's not that they hate everything, but they're, they're, you know, they, they have high quality control. Let's just say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you show up with, weird gear or with just yeah if your kit's off like you better be able to bring the skateboarding part because yeah. they, yeah, they will wreck you and even he, on it on social media totally like totally. i love reading the comments that skateboarders leave about comments <laughs> the, uh, about uh, about comments and about other skateboarders they don't care who how famous or how top somebody is they, they'll just tear you up so. yeah it's gnarly and my son you know he has very good taste in skateboarding yeah he likes he very much likes the generation that I came from and, and grew up shooting photos while, yeah. when he was born, which is, is, is amazing. You know, yeah. like we were having dinner, you know, a few months ago and he's like, when's the last time you watched the chocolate tour? And that's a video that we made when I was working for girl. And I'm like, I don't know, it's probably been like 10, 15 years. He's like, well, let's watch it. And oh, he was like cool, tripping, man. seeing me in the video. And like, he's like, is that you? Like in the beginning of Carol's part. And I'm like, yep. And he's like, wow. He's like, you look crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> so it's dope. It's fun. It's amazing how big skateboarding is. Olympics is everything about how it's yeah. just beautiful, man. It is. It's so crazy. I heard during the pandemic, like you couldn't get a skateboard at all. Like people, they were flying off the shelves. Everybody's trying yeah. to learn how to skate. We're not locked down. Like, yeah. Skateboarders crazy. love the pandemic because there were no uh, security. Yeah. Like, nobody was like, out. Spots were open. Yeah. No one was in the street. There was no traffic. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. It was beautiful, man. Yeah. So the art of skateboarding, that was is that your first book? It is. That was yeah, 2009? It was, yeah, it was published in 2009 by Powerhouse. Um, yeah, it was a trip. It was the first time when I was going through making that book that I was like, man, like I've been doing this a long time. 
Because yeah. I actually looked at the dates of the film, and I'm like, wait, that was 15 years ago. Wow. And now I'm looking at them, and I'm like, wait, that's almost 30 years ago. It's a trip. So it was, yeah, it was fun to make. Yeah. And so you just been collecting them and just realized I just want to put our book? Just um, Well, I mean, it, it kind of got started. Ken Block was like, hey, Blabes. That's what he used to, used to call me. He's Blabes. Like, yeah, Blabes. Uh, like or Blaze, because I, you know, earned that nickname. <laughs> I know. I had, I Jason what? Ellis, when I, you know, yeah. Wild Jason Ellis, you know Ellis, yeah, right? Yeah. When I met, he still refers to Mike, who I just referred to him as Blayback, as Blaze, because, mm. and we'll talk about, we'll ask you about, I should say, your your story about, you know, stopping, you know, weed Blazing. and alcohol. But, yeah. <laughs> but, it, but I guess it was a big part of what you were known for, in, in addition to your photos and skateboarding. I mean, you know, my, my last name, lends itself to certain nicknames and mm-hmm. blaze just kind of panned right out so yeah i i did kind of earn that one so was, so, <laughs> so why are you taking everything weed all the time even when you're taking photos and skating pretty much yeah 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 and do you smoke weed still no absolutely no how long now uh it's been years i mean it's been a little over three years like completely totally sober you know just no drinking no nothing which was it, it, back then would to me seemed insane. Yeah, was yeah. it hard? Uh, no, no, it wasn't hard at all to stop. Um, I met this guy. Um, you changed at, your life, this guy. Mr. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's mutual. Yeah, we sound like a couple, but yeah. we're not. <laughs> but we're not. We're not. But, uh, was it affecting your life? No, absolutely. I mean, you know, I I I'd just gotten back from New York and it rained the whole time, and I was just I got into the cadence of drinking a lot, and I still. I still maintained, you know, being the best father that father that I could be, um, you know, being on top of my work, you know, still doing everything I could for DC, you know, doing a good job at everything. I mean, I, you know, I have a Midwest work ethic. I try and like do as good of a job as humanly possible, but you know, I was starting to get to the point where I realized that I I was working twice as hard to do, to be like 70% as good as I probably could be otherwise. Gotcha. And I was just starting to get that idea. And I met Andrew and, you know, we were chatting for a while and I was like, I forget what I said. I was like, Hey, like, how do I get healthy or some well, shit like that? <laughs> this refined. Cause that's, I, how'd you guys meet too? I about uh, that. We were at a 4th of July barbecue in 2017. I think it was 2019, 2019, yeah. excuse me. So he's the one with the memory, despite his years of, cannabis use whereas I, was, whereas, I, um, whereas I'm, I was never really big into alcohol or drugs I lucked out I could take it or leave it so in any case at 2019 we were at a barbecue our friend Jake Rosenberg who I grew up with and actually was the guy which drove me up to Embarcadero and um, uh, makes movies and commercials and things of that sort uh, made Waiting for Lightning the documentary with Danny Way anyway we're at Jacob's backyard and what I remember is that he was like Mike Blayback's here and I was like no way blayback like blayback photo i didn't even know he had a first, i didn't even know he had a first name but i knew the photos greg hunt was there too another skateboard photographer i was like wow and um and mike came up to me and we were talking and the what your words were hey i'm a pile can you can you help me out that, that was what he said like literally i'm a pile and i said and i looked at him you know mike's a pretty tall guy and so t- taller people can have a bit more weight on them it was spread out before before mm-hmm. you th- so would think of that person as overweight right because yeah. just the way it's distributed um and i looked at him and i was like I-, I don't know and then i don't know you probably remember what i said next but that's what i remember well you know you were like do you drink and i'm like lots and uh you know you healthy do you do i'm like no like absolutely not you know because I, I was i was like you know i 
go out to lunch with Grant, have a beer, like, you know, or traveling on tour, you know, yeah. dudes are drinking all day in the, in the van. Like, you know, it's yeah. just, it was just, that's what I did. You know, I drank all day, every day. And somehow like maintained, you know, I was on top of my work. I was on top of, you know, being a dad as much as I could. And Were you married then too? No, okay. no, no. Separated from uh, my kid's mom years ago, like probably 14 years ago. So, okay. Yeah. Were you drinking when you were married too? Uh, yes. Yeah. Stop for a brief period in the middle of that and then just dove right back into it. Yeah. And, and weed every day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All day. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. But you did you really party as a kid though? You, you chewed tobacco. We know that. But no. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened when you moved to into the skateboard world. Yeah. 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 And then, um, you know, he, he asked me, he's like, do you drink? And I was like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and he was like, well, you should, how old are you? And I was thinking I was 44 at the time. And uh, he's like, yeah, you should, you should probably stop that. And mm. I, <laughs> I was like, okay. And then gave me a bunch of other, you know, info. And I'm like, all right, fuck. Like, this seems like pretty valuable. This this dude seems pretty smart. Yeah. I should probably, you know, listen to everything. <laughs> and I remember you sent me like super long text messages about how to work out, how to eat, yes. everything. And awesome. I like listened to all of it. Like I followed every letter, you know, because I'm amazing, like, man. yeah, well, I, it's not some kid that works at GNC, you know, like no, I figured I like, uh, <laughs> but just that timing and like being there at the same time that, you know, it's no, awesome. it's, it's amazing. And yeah. I, I knew like something in me, I was like, okay, I, I have to listen to this. And the next day I joined the gym and wow. started, yeah. And haven't drank a drop of booze since. That's fucking or awesome. Or smoked yeah. any weed. No. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible, man. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? Fucking human, like, man. I think, yeah. Well, no, I mean, I don't take credit. I I, uh, <laughs> I think the advice I gave, it's funny how we remember, two people remember the stories differently. But uh, <laughs> it's, yours is accurate. But yeah, you said, I'm a pile. And I said, and then we started talking about alcohol. And I said, you should quit. I am of the belief, you know, listen, a lot of people out there have heard, oh, a couple glasses of wine is healthy for you. Look, you'd have to drink so much wine to get the resveratrol, the antioxidants. It's, it's, it's impossible. And it's very clear that if you're thinking about health, I'm not talking about the effects of alcohol, but if you're talking about health, zero is far healthier for you than any. And the limit on where it starts to become a problem for your health in terms of increased cancers, microbiome disruption, like not minor things, yeah, is two drinks a week. And most people drink more than that. Oh, yeah. And the health benefits of not drinking at all are enormous. And I'm saying this not as someone who went through AA. Yeah. You know, it's like I'm not like a, you know, gone sober kind of guy. Like, it's just that's the reality. But I remember uh, you said, how should I work out? And I said, um, just get on a bike or a treadmill or run and just, you know, just for like a minute, just speak go all out as if someone was chasing you with a dart full of poison. Yes. A needle full of poison. <laughs> a needle, needle full of poison. Yeah. And then, and then jog for a minute and then just keep doing that until you can't do it anymore. <laughs> so the advice was at first was pretty crude. And then I gave him a bunch of detailed protocols. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So I did that. Like I started eating between like, you know, one and eight. And then every morning, at least five to six days a week, go to the gym and run for about an hour. Wow, like man. in you know intermittently you know about a minute or so every five minutes like hard you really listened man yeah yeah and like hard and it almost instantly i mean within a couple of, of months dropped like 60 pounds wow yeah like completely felt i mean i was just completely different i mean i remember i had a job i went to china shot photos on a mountain and you know in the middle of nowhere and i was just like felt like i'd run up and down the mountain with all my gear like it was amazing like i felt so good and so i just kept it going you know it's like the first real time being sober being a photographer too in the skateboard world right at that point yes 
Yeah. Yeah. And was it different feeling? Was it different? Do you, re- you see things differently? No, not at all. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed it so much more. I enjoyed That's it. That's what I mean. Like, it would be no, so I, different being sober. In the oh, world. yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess I didn't feel differently in a bad way. I, yeah, I, yeah. It was like, it was an amazing experience. Like, I was just like, I enjoyed photography the same way that I did as a kid, like pouring over books again and like, you know, just editing photos more and shooting more and like just doing more of everything. Life changing. Yeah, absolutely. Because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't like, holding myself back by like drinking all day and like just being a bile. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible, so, man. Yeah. It's pretty wild. And then that's we, we, when we were, uh, when the pandemic hit, yeah. And we, I remember at the beginning when everyone was under strict lockdown Yeah, and then yes. it kind of people went back in varying degrees, depending on how scared they were or not. True. Scared, et cetera. Um, I remember we were getting on the phone yeah. and doing, uh, with a, with a friend of ours, with Jacob, we started doing the Wim Hof type breathing. Yeah. So like we were keeping it because I lived alone up in Oakland at that time. And uh, Mike was down in San Diego and, and Jacob was here in LA. And so we were super, I, I was uh, super isolated. I was like, I'm never going to see anyone again, you know? Yeah. And, and, um, and even though, you know, my girlfriend lived nearby, like we weren't spending as much time with each other then. And so we would get on the phone every morning and do Wim Hof breathing and time each other, like who could do breath holds the longest wow. and this kind yeah. of thing. So we, we, I realized now, like we got into it. Yeah, just three dudes just breathing into the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's not amazing, weird at all, though, man. Yeah, it's crazy. No, it was you, amazing. You could turn your life around at any time, any age. It doesn't matter. Oh, dude, yeah. I mean, like by the time, you know, I was by the time I was forty-five, I was like in better shape than I had been since I was in my twenties, and now I'm in even better shape. Uh, this guy's a beast. He's very humble, Midwest humble. Really? Oh yeah. The workout this morning, like I did some like sets and reps at the gym. Yesterday I took my my week on Fridays. I do kind of some interval training jog. Okay. This guy, my, it's, it's nuts. I think the same spirit that like had you jump in the car, get out to San Francisco, work at the gap at four 30 in the morning. Like yeah. he's very understated. So I want to, I, I want, I'm going to be so low key. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to embarrass him a little bit. Here. You're a savage <laughs> in the gym. He's a savage, but also, you know, we, you know, with photos, right? Okay, so we'll talk about that a little bit where it's at now. But the, um, you know, Mike stayed up at my place before, and you know, I'll look at like ten at night, and he's there just going through thousands of photos, mm. picking the perfect one, editing, doing what he needs to do. You know, it's just the work ethic is crazy. And then yeah. when it came to the exercise thing, his morning workout, quote unquote, get on, hop on the bike, is get on the Airdyne bike. That's the one with the handles, the resistance oh, yeah. one, and go for thirty minutes. Yeah, like basically right. all out for 30 minutes, which is like sprinting basically for 30 minutes. Yeah. And then, you know, recently I was like, you know, it's how like many Clark year- Kent over here, man. Yeah. <laughs> how many years have you, yeah, you got, you got the glasses. Uh, how many years? Um, let's see. So you, it was 2019, 20, 21. And then this year he started doing the resistance training, like some weight training. And it's the same thing. It was like, I went down to San Diego, showed him how to do an up, just a basic upper body workout. And then, you take a day and do your cardio and then you do a lower body workout. You just kind of keep alternating, maybe throw an extra day of rest in there yeah. just so you keep your body strong and, and not to get huge or anything, but just to stay strong. Totally. So this guy, I do that. And then I'll talk to him, you know, a week later, I'm like, how the workout's going? He's like, Oh yeah, I did upper body rested lower body. Like he doesn't go off program. Yeah. Even if he's out in Las Vegas doing a six day shoot with Ken block with they, you have to talk about the car. You still, you still work. I'm out. like, he's not sleeping. Wow. And it's like, well, we're sleeping in the day for a few hours. But he's like, oh, yeah, but the gyms here in Vegas are really nice. <laughs> you know? So no yeah. no negotiating, like, do I do it today or not do it today? Yeah, every day. It's just 
consistency. Yeah. It's well, it's awesome. the same as like not, you know, it was like easy for me to not drink. It would be difficult for me to kind of drink. And like the working out is like the same thing. Like, All in, man. Instead of like figuring out like, well, maybe I could work out then. It's just, you know, I, again, like the, the advice I'm getting from this dude is, is extremely valuable. Yeah, for like, sure. I'll oh, do this. I'm like, okay. And it's like, I'm stoked. Like, I feel so good doing it. So you it's know? every day you're on it. Yeah. Something every yeah. day. Yeah. So, and it's amazing. I mean, I feel, I think you looked at me in New York and you're like, you look pretty good. And I was like, oh, thanks, dude. And you're like, but you should work out. I'm honest too. I'm honest too. Well, uh, you were you had leaned out, but then what happens is at, at any age or depending on your genetics, you know, it, you, m- muscle isn't about being big. It's it's the most metabolically active tissue, so it allows you to eat more. It actually is great because you feel hungrier, but you eat more, but you get leaner. Yeah. And also, it's great. It supports your hormones. There's all this great stuff that you can do without medication. Totally. And yeah. you don't need a big budget for it. Like if you can't get on a gym membership, you can literally do burpees and pull-ups and dips you can do prison style workouts have you seen those guys yes i have they're amazing and and burpees are no joke too. no joke and chin-ups and dips (laughs) and all that will really take you there and but i think also um your work ethic is so strong that occasionally i think a few weeks back i was like you know it's okay to take a day off every once in a while because you're like my i'm feeling really sore i'm like you know you can take a day off every once in a while i mean did you take a day off drinking what do you mean did Did you you ever not not drink you drinking every Before day. Before I much? stopped? Yeah. Oh no. I drink All right. So the same when now you're working yeah. out every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a good switch. I had a yes, I had a good work ethic with drinking too. <laughs> well, so. but but the but the, but and with the nutrition Solid. thing too, yeah. like you I was like, can you delay eating until, you know, eleven or noon or one, do the intermittent fasting thing? And there are other, there are other yeah. ways to do it, but for a lot of people, not eating is easy, you know, like I'm not the kind of person who can eat half a croissant. It's like I'm gonna eat the croissant. Totally. So um, you know, I'd rather just eat between certain hours and then try and then once you start eating between certain hours, you actually, believe it or not, people think, oh, then you just gorge yourself with garbage. No, you actually make better choices. I agree. And yeah. the healthier stuff tastes better yeah. because you're hungrier. Yeah. So, so you, you're really good about this. Like you eat oatmeals and oatmeals, oatmeals, oatmeal berries. Like, I mean, you're not a vegan, but he is. And I'm sort of in, I'm the omnivore in the room, but the, but I know, but you eat really healthy. Yeah. Now I do because the same thing, you know, you, you think about like what you're putting in your body within yeah. that eight hour or six hour window, whatever yeah, you're you doing. Eight hours, eat the best you can. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Yeah. So I just wake up, uh, you know, work out coffee and then, um, and then in the afternoon, eat a massive like oatmeal fruit bananas like everything like that and then i eat a big dinner and that's it yes intermediate fasting um you can have coffee in the morning right black yeah. coffee oh well this guy the one thing he is not moderate about it's coffee well, no he's yeah. got a few things he's not moderate. i mean the coffee thing yeah. <laughs> this guy okay wait all right the, the photographers i'm realizing of mike scalber are pretty they're almost neurotic like in terms yeah. of their detail this guy travels with his nespresso machine wow he brings yeah. the machine yeah. Why? Why can't you just get one? Oh, yeah, it's your own thing. Yeah. A certain it's, kind you use. No, I mean, like, you know, like Andrew mentioned, I was just on a job in Vegas and working six nights. True. And I just wake up, espresso's right there. Nice. Yeah. It's easy. So coffee's a big part of you every it, day. Yeah. Yeah. Haven't given that up. Do you drink coffee, Andrew, or no? I do. I have this thing about delaying, you know, waiting an hour and a half yeah, to two yeah, hours because yeah. otherwise, after waking up before having it, otherwise you get a crash. But I love yerba mate. Me too, man. I brew my own. Just people should know, don't drink the smoked yerba mates. Those ones are carcinogenic. They'll give Ooh. you mouth cancer. But Ooh. the smoked flavors, but the but the just basic yerba mate, 
the um so good it's such a nice clean caffeine it is it's got a little bit of a laxative effect which might you know, people you know like so in the morning too like it's good for your digestion you know it's not a nice topic but you know clear out <laughs> clear out um you also listen a lot of people don't want to exercise because they feel weighed down by food and the nice thing about intermittent fasting too is you have that block of time early in the day where if you have your mate or your coffee and your water like pretty soon you feel like you want to move yes you know so that's kind of what nice. about working out on empty stomach? That's okay. I love that. And running on empty stomach. Yeah. I know you have to make sure that. you eat enough when, you know, in the evening, like if you're going to run hard in the morning and you skip dinner the night before and you're trying to do it in the morning, it can get tricky, but yeah, that's why eating a, a good sized dinner in the evening is not bad. If you're going to fast until 2 PM the next day. So like, yeah. like one great meal a day is okay. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, some people think one might not be enough it, for kids and for teens. Like Matt, oh, yeah. Max was just in here. You know, you don't want to start fasting and dieting he as a not, kid, yeah, you know, that. but yeah. I think for as, certainly as you day. get, yeah, like one or, or two, I think two meals a day or a meal and a snack. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I love it. It's a life changer. Oh, it's insane. And just when you start working out and taking care of your body, you also want to start putting good things because the diet is just as important as the workout, right? Even, even more so, right? Absolutely. And you notice more. Yeah. Like, I mean, just think about like when you're drinking, you grab for whatever's in front of you. And then when you're, again, I'm not anti-alcohol. I, I, I think it sounds like I am, but it's one of these things where you just make such better choices when you're making better choices. Yeah. You know, it, it dominoes. Yeah. And what about people like, I only smoke cigarettes when I drink. Like, what is that connection with that where people like to smoke cigarettes when they drink sometimes, but they don't smoke, they don't smoke every day, only when they drink? Yeah, the combination of nicotine and alcohol is a different kind of drunk, okay. and it lets you drink longer. You ever do that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I did all kinds of dumb shit when I drank. <laughs> I would make pizzas at 2 o'clock in the morning. You yeah. know, it was like, that's just was normal, you know, it's yeah. part of being a pile. And so now, like, I absolutely don't do that. So I have a question about um, the car thing. The Gymkhana thing, yes. Ken Block. Yeah. You know, and uh, because you're, quote unquote, skateboard. For, do you call yourself a skateboard photographer? Good I just, question. I call myself a photographer. Okay. I mean, I don't want to be. You do lifestyle? I don't want to be hoity-toity hoity hoity or anything. But yeah, I mean, I do a Sports, lot of commercial everything. work. I just, I love skateboarding. And that'll always be a part of who you're I skater. am. You're a skater yeah, too. That'll yeah. always be a part of who I am as a person. So no matter what I go on in life to do, that's a part of who I am. It's a part of who you are. It's part of yeah. who Andrew is. It's just, that's how it is. Um, but it's in your blood. Yes. But you know, I, I, I love photography before I even knew what a skateboard was. So I call myself a photographer. I'm not, I don't care. You can call me whatever you want, but you know. <laughs> yeah, like, like you've helped create brand people's brands quite a bit. The, the people that I think of, and maybe you could talk about, um, love park in Philly and Stevie Williams Ooh, and Kalis. Yeah a bit and then we should probably also talk about danny yes so. well i mean you know dc I, i've worked i still work with dc shoes um, how many I, years now 20 That's it's my 23rd man. year it's incredible it, I, i'm are you, you with know, DC i'm a creature too? of are you a d no i no, 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 really no, had for some DC reason shoes. i thought I, for some reason i thought that that you had a relationship to no DC. i never had one until now thanks yeah <laughs> <laughs> you're very welcome um, um no i i so that kind of you know i, I worked for girl and then at the time, you know, uh, Rick Howard, Mike Carroll, Huff, Scott, all these guys skated for DC. So it was kind of a natural transition. I remember yeah. Ken Block called me out of the blue one day and was just like, do you want to work for DC? And I, my mind was blown because I was like, oh, my God, really? Because they, they were the first people to do two-page spread ads, which was was a huge deal, yeah. you know, in the mid-90s. 
and I, I love their advertising. I loved, you know, their shoes had like the most technology in them. They were like, you know, made, out, you know, kind of like they had straps to keep the, you know, the tongue in place, which yeah. blew my mind. I'm like, this is insane. You know, were those like the big bulky ones. <laughs> yes. Remember those big like shoes oh, yeah, back yeah. in the 90s, those big like audios, yes. all those different brands. Yes. I yeah, can well. imagine even skating those now, man. You know, people do skate wow, them again. Like throwback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so Ken called me kind of out of the blue to start working for them. And that's how I started working for DC. And that was in March of 99. Wow, man. Yeah. That says a lot about you too, man, being there that long with the company. Because I'm sure they had a million different like changes in who's working there and oh, yes. owners and all that. Yeah. Is it independently owned? Is it still an independent brand? It's or? owned by... You know, it was bought by Quicksilver in okay. 2009, and then Quicksilver was bought by someone else, and it's owned mm. by them now, and yeah, so. Is there anybody else at that company that was there when you were there, first got signed, it still works there? No. Wow. No. Just, uh. They should just give it to you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> shares. DC leadership, listen that's up. Crazy. Just give it to the guy that, that's yeah. been there the longest. <laughs> as, as far as an employee, quote unquote, an employee goes, no. Any yeah. skaters been sponsored for 20 years by that same brand? Yes, Josh, oh. Josh Kalis. Okay. Next year, be 25 years. Wow. Um, and uh, and anyway. You like Caballero with Vans, the longest selling skate shoe oh in the history God. of Vans. Yeah. The half cab. Yeah. So cool, man. I remember Which seeing is... that shoe and thinking, whoa. And then you realize like, yeah, why couldn't you just do a half, <laughs> half thing? Yeah, why right? couldn't you just cut Skateboarders are, are cool that way, right? Punk rockers too, right? It's like, why? Yeah. You know, I mean, it'd be ridiculous to just turn your shirt backwards just to do it, right? So just that mm. that kind of like ridiculous creativity is not creativity but every once in a while something pops up in skateboarding or punk rock and you go yeah that's just a better way to do it or an or a better other way to do it yeah 100 percent. Right. yeah josh kalis called me he, he's like hey man because that's how he talks he's just like <laughs> he's like are we the only two people it's like been there for as long and i'm like yeah pretty much i mean that and danny and he's like wow that's such a trip and like josh and i we when we were kids he he lived in Grand Rapids, Michigan for a time, and I lived in Lansing, which is about an hour drive. And, you know, we met one another, you know, the skateboard community was pretty small at the time and, you know, back then. And uh, so we, we skated together when we were kids. Yeah. And, like, he, it's funny, he got in trouble. He he stole his dad's baseball cards. He had, like, a crazy baseball card collection. Uh -oh. stole, sort of... his stole his, yeah, sold them so he could buy boards. Wow. And got grounded and told his dad that I worked for Transworld, even though I absolutely did not. <laughs> I just had a camera and would go down and shoot photos of Josh, just, you know, whatever, just because. Like, that so make was it look like it's worth it to his dad. I need the board. It, I'm getting photos taken of me. Exactly. So yeah. that was the only way he was allowed out of the house Damn. was I would drive down there. And then we kind of, like, didn't see one another. And I remember I walked out of the gap one day with like my ridiculous like gap clothes on to get a pizza across the street at Blondie's. And like, I looked over and he's like sitting on the ground next to Jamie Thomas. And I'm like, what are you doing here? He's like, what are you doing here? And he was, he was, you know, filming in the city and we we're like, dude, we started hanging out and you know, we've, we've been friends for like 30 years. It's crazy. I hope his dad like, um, understands that those cards really took him somewhere well the baseball he, cards i was gonna say a kid that steals That's his dad's baseball up, or steals anything from their parent did he think that his dad just Dude. wasn't gonna notice or he was willing to take the the beating i'm pretty sure he's willing to do whatever it took to skateboard wow just like any other skateboarder but he's still in the he's still in the world he's still in the industry so his dad's but okay it was kind of worth it he so, you know josh's josh has you know done well he's you know been a part of dc's had tons of pro shoes and you know he wow. he eventually 
bought his dad those baseball cards. No back. way. Yeah, gave Did him. he really? Wow, yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Good so man, either uh, that or his dad was coming after him. <laughs> for all these years. <laughs> what a good kid. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Josh is a good dude. And what about Danny Way? You guys go back? You and Danny Way? Yes. I mean, well, the first time I ever met Danny, coincidentally, was the first pro contest he ever won was in 1989. Holy and shit. my friend, it's his. this is the dude's real name. His name was Stony Ball. Um, I was <laughs> hanging out with him. He could drive. I couldn't drive yet at the time. I didn't have my license yet. And we picked Danny up and, you know, dropped him off at the hotel and, like, hung out with Danny a little bit when I think Danny was like 14 at the time. Wow. Man. Yeah. He and won, it was a, yeah, was it he, Texas contest. No, it was Lansing, Michigan. Okay. It was a vert contest at the Lansing civic center. And I shot photos cause I was kind of 1989. Yeah. It was quasi sponsored wow. by the skate shop. Uh, well at the time it was called Michigan skate. Now it's called modern skate, but I would get, you know, I'd get stuff from the shop and work for the shop as a kid and so I was allowed into the contest to shoot photos. Yeah. And so I shot photos. So I have photos of Danny from that contest. And wow, so we didn't dude. really meet again until almost exactly 10 years later when I started working for DC Shoes. And you were involved in shooting wow. um, all the mega ramp. Yes. You know, when Danny first mega started ramp. building those yeah. huge gaps in the desert because people weren't doing that then. Um, and no, the, it was insane. The crazy. Yeah. So Mike's that got some. The, yeah. Tell us the story about the. Um, like the railing, the bump railing. Oh my god! And the and well, the Great Wall, because obviously Danny jumped the Great Wall. Of yeah, on a broken ankle. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, Mike, yeah, he Mike was there. Destroyed his foot the day before. Um, but it's funny because the first time I'd ever, the first time I saw Danny after whatever our random, you know, uh, like meeting in Lansing, Michigan, in yeah. 1989 was in 1999. When he was jumping out of the helicopter for the MTV Sports and Music Festival, remember that? You know, it was like two years after he'd done it such in an airstrip. Such a weird decision to jump out of a helicopter. <laughs> it as was a, as a Well, that and it was like a shit show because it was like an MTV contest. Yeah. It was like on the top of the parking garage, the Hard Rock, and I'm like, dude, what is this guy doing? You know, yeah. Like, and I was just kind of thrust into the fold at DC. Ken's like, yeah, you're gonna go to Vegas, Danny's gonna jump out of the helicopter again. I'm like, okay, like, cool, like, you know, it was kind of like it was a trip. And you then, hadn't talked to her and seen him in 10 years? No. Okay. No, I had met him, you know, introduced yeah, myself kid. again. Yeah, 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 we were kids. And then, you know, Danny was just like, all right, cool. Like, I think his mind was more on jumping out of a helicopter in yeah. the middle like, of all this chaos. And um, so then, yeah, we, we shortly thereafter, right around 2000, we started filming for the DC video, which got gnarly. I mean, Danny was just like on his shit then. And we were filming all the time. And that's when the having a thousand rolls of film at the ramp and the six, yeah, seven hour yeah. sessions and also going out with the rest of the team. It was insane. You know, it was like, but then towards the end, um, you know, when the deadline was approaching in 2003, he had the idea of making the mega ramp. And I remember not really understanding, like Greg had kind of like, Hey, like don't really tell anyone, but he's Danny's got this thing out in the desert. And I remember, driving <laughs> i remember driving like over the hill and i'd never i mean no one had ever had a quarter the quarter pipe was 27 feet tall wow and it was enough it was more wood than you would use to build a house Jesus. and i just remember like laughing like i actually like chuckled when i like drove over the hill and saw it and <laughs> it was insane i mean the first time he dropped in and that one was gnarly because the to save wood because the 
it costs so much to build that thing. So to sure. save wood, they cut into the hillside. So the, the roll-in went like basically through this like cavern and like you jumped, you know, takeoff ramp, you know, and then there's like a 65 foot gap and then you land Jeez. and then you blast into like a 27 foot quarter pipe. And I just remember <laughs> thinking like, crazy. this is insane. You're saying that's crazy. It is insane. No, it's just skateboarders are crazy. And then, and then there's Danny who, you know, it's just to, to dream something up or that's the kind of thing you draw on some binder paper during class. Yeah. And even then you might not draw it that big. Yeah. You know? no. And then there he goes and and makes it, does it. Well, the first time he rolled in, that he he kind of just flailed through the air and was just kind of like landed and had like masonite burn like all over his body. And I was wow. Like, wow. That was sketchy. And we were, I mean, we were in a we were in the desert. Like we were yeah. in Awonga, California, which is like an hour and 20 minutes inland from Temecula. Like we were in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And no cell phones, like no cell phone reception, like no paramedic. It's just like us. And I was like hammered, you know, in the middle, like just like <laughs> sick. Like, you know, it was, it was a crazy experience. And we were just, we'd camp out there wow. and just skate. So it was just. Was anybody else dropping in on that ramp? No. Well, we, you know, there was no, there was no, you know, social media or anything yeah. back then. And so it was easier you know, to keep a lid on things, but it was just Danny skating. It was Greg Hunt. And there was a couple other, like one or two other camera operators occasionally and myself taking photos. Wow, and that's man. it. There was no one else out there. It was just us. And so there was no one skating with him because we wanted to keep a lid on it. We didn't want yeah. anyone to see the photos. You want to be the one to like build it and conquer it first. Right. And do all kinds of crazy yeah. shit. So it's like, he's launching himself on this thing, flying like, you know 70 feet over this gap and like going 20 plus feet in the air in this quarter pipe in the middle of the desert and no one had ever done anything like that on a skateboard so it was like mind-blowing and what did people hear about in the skateboarding community that you heard about this mega ramp no, we kept like it that. all wow uh, no no one no one heard about it until they saw the dc video when it premiered and when did that and, for how long after like uh that was uh came out in the it originally premiered in june of 2003 uh, the mega ramp was in there. And then after the video premiered, he's like, I want to build a rail. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, like fucking 45 miles an hour, like do a fu fucking front That's crook. Fucking crazy, and I was like, man. and I was like, and you know, I'm that like, shit is crazy. He's so aggro. No. Yeah, and it was so, fearless, man. it was sketchy too. I mean, there was, and it's funny because even China and we'll, we'll get into that. It's like, you know, when I've when I've been lucky enough to photograph other things like Robbie Madison and like Ken Block and like, you know, there's dudes with computers and they know exactly how much the car weighs and the angle of the hill and the wind speed. And it's yeah. like mapped out by people who are like, you know, know what's going on. Yeah. And then they're skateboarding. And then they're skateboarding <laughs> where it's like you're fucking spending a million dollars. Like, sorry, buddy. That's all right. She's just saying, keep well, going. It's all good. You know, it, it's like. He's literally just kind of mapping it out. Like, yeah. You know, like pointing, like just pointing at the gap and like, uh, like, I don't know, make it kind of like this. It, no, yeah. like no consideration, like how much he weighs or how much humidity is in the air. <laughs> yeah. or, like none of that shit. Like it was just like, you know, and that's how he blasted his foot apart because he came up short because mm. the roll in wasn't tall enough and the angle of the ramp, the takeoff ramp wasn't steep enough. Gotcha. And so the same thing for the rail. I mean, he literally like 
I remember him being on the phone. I think he was like on the phone with Deerdick or something. And he's like, yeah, you should come out, check this out. Like I'm going to build a rail. I'm going to fucking, I'm going to nose blunt this thing. I'm going to do all this. <laughs> and I remember crazy. being in the back seat of the car being like, this guy's insane. Like this is not going to happen. Like this is, I kind of had my doubts. Yeah. And when we went out there, you know, the, the cat was kind of out of the bag and you know, people had seen his mega ramp part in the DC video. Um, so Jake Brown came out with us. And I remember he just, he told Jake, he's like, yeah, just drop in and kind of just float over the gap. And Jake's like, all right. Just float over it. Just kind of like Ollie and kind of like cruise over the gap, you know? And there's a long gap, which was like uh, 65 feet about in its shortest. And then there was a shorter one, which was 45 feet. And the rail was built over the 45 foot gap. And, you know, he just was like eyeballing where jake was in the air not taking into consideration that jake's about a foot shorter than he is or like nothing and he's just like yeah make the rail like this big and make it a rainbow because that's how you're going to grind it because you're going up to it yeah and you're flying across the gap and it was like an uncapped piece of steel that you're going 40 plus miles an hour wow it was sketchy so one of the first times he did it his board just stuck in the into the rail and I was like, wow, this is sketchy. Like, uh, this is going, this could kill you. Yeah. yeah it was gnarly. So, so the whole, it stuck on, he flew off it? He just kind of like flailed through the air and his board went about uh, an inch and a half into the piece of steel. Like wow. stuck into the end. I have a photo of it. It's insane. And he's like standing at the gap holding a two by four because he needed to bash his board out of the rail at the time. Was he waxing it too after a while? Was he, did he wax it? No, he didn't. I don't think he waxed it at first. He just kind of like, yeah, I mean, he again, he's going 40 plus miles an hour. So he just, it made the craziest sound. And there's nothing, no one could ever like, seeing it in person was just absolutely incredible. No, I remember seeing that and seeing the photos and the videos oh, of it. and crazy. Fucking... He 50'd it, you know, and then he nose grinded it and then he smith grinded it. And you were there back. for the whole time you saw all that? I never missed a session. Wow. Yeah. Man. And it was insane because, you know, he would, he's a, he's a maniac. And he's like, dude, you need to fucking get out here now. And I'm like, well, that's okay. pretty good, Danny voice. Yeah. <laughs> Do it again. He's like, dude, fucking get out here right now. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, well, there's other guys on the team, and they're all filming. He's like, what are you gonna do? Shoot photos on like a knee high ledge or fucking 45 mile an hour fucking front crook? Like, yeah. and I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, that's a good point. <laughs> but like everyone, everyone, like I gotta, I gotta shoot everyone. Like Greg and I were like. You know, we were the only two dudes working for DC that were were working on the video. Yeah, that's amazing. So man. we were traveling the world. We we're going to Spain for weeks on end, and you know, we were all over the place. And meanwhile, like this dude's out in the desert, being like, "Dude, get out here!" And like, you know, we were we we're and nobody knows you're there either, man. That's no one knew we were there. That's one of the coolest parts about it. Yeah, nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, I grew up watching the young Danny Way sometimes in person, and what Mike said earlier is true. He was just he and Colin McKay and this and this kid Moses that they call themselves the red dragons and they wore little red dragon pendants. No joke. Wow. And sluggo too. They just would skate for, you know, for everyone else's like one or two runs on the ramp, they'd get 10. Like they would just go, go, go all night lock-ins where other people would stop and start partying at some point. They would literally skate all night and into the morning and then pack up and go. It was, I mean, they just had this extra gear and Danny had an extra, extra gear and it just seems like he, yeah, he had laser focus and was and was going. It was amazing. I mean, to see yeah. someone push something 
into a place that it had never been before and yeah. to be able to be there and photograph it and like experience it was incredible. I mean, it was in everything, you know, I, sh- I even, even the lab where I dropped off my film, I'm like, Hey, no one can see this shit. Wow. Like do not, do not share this with anyone. Like if I, if you absolutely not, like I was like very strict with them and I processed all the black and white film myself and put everything into a binder and when we were done filming, it was called the deluxe edition part. It came out in the end of 2003 because we filmed for yeah. a couple of months. And I remember Ken Block took uh, Grant Britton, Dave Swift, left Transworld and started their own magazine called the Skateboard Mag. Yeah. And I remember Ken took a binder of all that film and no one had ever seen it. And wow. he like gave it to him and was just like, do you guys want this? And I was like, and I was like, what did they say? You know, in hindsight, I probably should have been there, but yeah. I was probably partying or doing something. I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he was like, they were stoked. And so it ended up being the cover of the first skateboard mag and they used everything. And I remember them sharing the photos with people who had, hadn't seen the part yet. Yeah. You know, it was like dudes like Heath Kirchart and uh, Chris Miller and Tony Hawk. Like their their impression of the photos for the first time like i've never seen him before and they were all just like what is this like this is insane like this yeah. guy's like <laughs> did, did they all want to go there immediately and try it? the people that saw it first like did tony hawk come there and everybody try to come uh yeah people did skate yeah, i remember seeing you that. know it's like it was amazing it was fun at that point because the cat you know again was out of the bag so in like 2004 early 2005 people would come and like have sessions at the ramp before it eventually got torn down um because it was this sketchy place called point x in the middle of the desert and like you know i, I on the low i was pretty pretty happy we weren't going out there because it was a nightmare to drive it was just dirty you know? and why there and i wonder how he found that spot and like i'm gonna do it here well you know it's funny because he's like always like well i don't know it'll just fit right into the land like he knew exactly where it needed to be yeah. in order to not use like a ton of wood and how it would just the rolling would go into the hillside and the hill kind of rolled down and that's how the landing went and then the quarter pipe was built on a flat area of land and luckily for me it was built in an area where i could get back far enough and shoot it yeah. to where like you have to use a longer lens to give something like that some some sort of perspective yeah you know because it was just it was so gnarly you, know? so you saw tony hawk and other people skate there too as well yeah yeah after after you know after the deluxe edition part came out and so that's kind of how the great wall thing happened is that i don't know He's going to China for something, and he looked down, saw the Great Wall, and was like, you know, being Danny, like, I'm going to jump that. Fuck. And it, it kind of came to fruition pretty quickly. So the that that Mega Ramp thing came out in 2005, and by July, I think it was July 9th in 2005 is when he jumped the Great Wall. And you out there too? Yes. Wow. And I kind of, I almost, it was weird because I, you know, skate mentality, like, whatever like you know he had a he grinded a rail across something gnarlier in this second <laughs> section of the wall which it was gnarly it I mean, is. He, yeah. well that and like looking back on it it was such a unique experience because the government you know invited us there they had a work stoppage like everyone in china was required to watch wow i didn't know that <clears throat> and so they skateboarding it's amazing and so they were very here, just an even, idea that he had here you don't even have to vote Mm. there you have to watch skateboarding <laughs> you're required to watch it and so they they were wow. super strict about us about us not skating the ramp and so they had all these officials there and all these people you know gov- chinese government officials like dudes from beijing and and he's like hey dude like let's fucking let's get photos of these guys let's get these guys out of here 
like get like we have i have to skate this fucking thing like i have to see if it works because you know again he just eyeballed it he didn't have people there with computers and shit isn't it true that somebody died trying to do it a few days before a a mountain biker or something no a few years a few years Years prior someone tried to jump it on a mountain bike and died no way yeah was the whole country watching that i'm not sure that is a good question they're like little kindergarten kids traumatized for life it's like telling everyone to watch something in live is a serious commitment well this was very sketchy i mean the roll-in was (laughs) there was no like i mean that kind of goes without saying but um (laughs) you know the roll-in was built on the the edge of the wall and so you know and he had they had these like you know i think it was like maybe eight feet wide but once something's like 70 feet tall eight feet wide does not seem that wide you slide right off it oh it was insane and they had these wooden they had like basically four by eight sheets of plywood on the side of it. So he like, quote unquote, didn't go off the end. And he's like, dude, get that shit off there. I don't want that on there. And they reluctantly did. Like they didn't want to to get it off. But back to getting rid of the officials. So we, we shot portraits with them. We did all this stuff. And eventually like they they left. And it was like towards the end of the day. And it was very humid. Like the air was very thick. Yeah. And the rolling wasn't tall enough. And the takeoff ramp wasn't wasn't steep enough, and he came up really short, and it was gnarly because I was I was there with his kid, and like dude, it was insane. It was sketchy, Fuck. and like as soon as he took off, you could tell he wasn't gonna make it, and like he just was running through the air like fuck, and like legs like straight out, like his feet were straight out and landed, I think it was his left foot, and just destroyed his foot, like broke it in three places. And then just kind of, it sounded like a car crash because the ramp was on, you know, scaffolding. So it was hollow. Yeah. And I was across shooting out of, uh, there's all these guard gates all along the Great Wall for thousands of miles. Sure. And I was shooting out of one of those. And just, you could hear it echo. Like it was gnarly. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Dude. I was like, dude, I don't know if he's dead. Like this is insane. And we'd just flown to China, you know, I'm just <laughs> like, this is way worse than getting kicked out of a spot. I should just say a bunch of sto- stoners too. Like, you know, maybe you edit that out, but like, you know, do you, um, I mean, getting into China as a pot smoker, mm. um, uh, how does, how do, I'm not suggesting anyone do this. That's actually a risk unto itself. It I mean, is, but we didn't think about any of got that. It. Yeah. You, got just, it. you were too stoned to think about it. Didn't care. Yeah. How many people in the crew that went to China with him? Uh, there's a fairly big crew. Okay. I mean, we, we, you know, it was Greg Hunt, myself, Jason Ellis, Colin, like a bunch of us went with him. Wow. Uh, we brought a, a doctor. I forget his name. His first name was Brian. He was a maniac. Some dude that Annie knew. <laughs> did, did, did the doctor help him when he <laughs> fell? No, he did. We, okay. he went, we went, he went straight to the hospital. Okay. And the doctor like rifled through the hospital and got a bunch of drugs and it's like stuff to numb his foot. Wow. And tape his foot back together. And it was like, it was broken, like real broken. And, uh, you know, kind of pieced him back together. And that's exactly why Danny brought him in case something like that were to happen. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was gnarly. And, you know, I remember, you know, we went back to the hotel. And we all didn't know what was going to happen. Danny comes back in with a cane, you know. And broken, in China? Broken foot. In China. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I remember the next morning, I'll never forget this, he called the hotel room, and I answered the phone, and he's like, fuck. He's like, this is kind of a lot of pressure. And I'm like, you think? I'm like, there's only a couple billion people watching you and you have a broken foot. Like, it is kind of a lot of pressure. He's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking do this. And I'm like, yeah, it was gnarly. 
And, you Nobody know, tried to cancel it, like any of the officials no. or anything? Well, when they found out that he rolled in and skated, they tried to shut the whole thing down. They were pissed. Oh, because okay. you weren't supposed to. You weren't but supposed But if that to. had happened on game day, yeah. with everybody watching, well, that's, I mean, that, that makes no sense. I mean, yeah. it's clear that... Once again, big organizations, not not as smart <laughs> as the one skateboarder. Well, it is amazing. You know, I'm only half kidding because, I mean, you talk about Danny not using measurements or, you know, he's doing yeah. measurements, but he's not, he doesn't have a team of like land surveyors or yeah. you know, wind, wind velocity measurements and like all this kind of stuff. And, and yet look at what he's done. No, I mean, I mean he's, what he's done, it occurs to me now that there's, he's not just an amazing skateboarder. There's also, there's a, um, in certain communities, they call it sort of an unconscious genius in there that somebody can, yeah. because he actually does the thing and he's not just an engineer, yeah. he might actually be in a better position to do it, even though it doesn't have the sort of technical um, descriptions, right? Because yes. he's actually the one who's putting his life on the line. Luckily, fearless man. yeah, luckily he was feeling it out for himself. He wasn't yeah. feeling it out for some other poor person to huck themselves over that. Exactly. Gap. But yeah, it was, it was insane. No stunt, man. No, no, it was insane, you know. So he did. I mean, he he went and jumped it the next day several times. Yeah, three because he wanted it. to skate the ramp. We'd made the quarter pipe. That quarter pipe was thirty feet, and the, the landing was even steeper. He was getting more speed into that landing than he did on the other mega ramp. And you know, he's trying. He's going like twenty, twenty five feet in the air. He's like, I want to fucking break my higher record. Like this is bullshit. <laughs> and you know he has a broken foot, so he doesn't have the ability to really land. So he's on he's on, on serious board. pain medication. His foot's all wrapped up. His foot was just wrapped up. You know he he wanted to feel. You know he and it was crazy because it was his back foot. So it's like that's how you you know. But his board, you know, he had like special titanium indies made, and like they were cranked down as much as possibly could be. Okay. You know he had a very a special setup made. You know to to jump. Yeah. To jump the wall. So why use different trucks? Uh, lighter. Okay, lighter. Yeah, okay. titanium. Because they're huge. They're Indy 215s. They're oh, yeah, super yeah. wide. And the board was huge. It's 36 inches long, like 10 inches wide. And the truck stuck. It was an outrageous looking setup. <laughs> you know, it was like, did not look so like it's a the kind of setup that gets you teased as a kid. Like, your oh, board has <laughs> yeah. ears. Couldn't show up in a Barcadero with no. that setup. No, no, no. <laughs> had, I, had I showed up in Michigan with that setup, I definitely would have gotten robbed. So his first run the next day, he lands it. He, I think it was like a couple runs in. Um, but yeah, he, he made it. And I remember once he made it, I was like, wow, like he did it. And then, you know, he did a, he back three it. And I'm like, why do you want to back three? He's like, I don't know. something to do in the air. Like just wanted to, <laughs> Jesus, <bro. laughs> but this is, I mean, you know, listen, there are a lot of amazing skateboarders. And right now mm. I think, that, you know, all eyes are on Jimmy Wilkins, who's mm. rides for real, who's just beyond, you know, it's just incredible. But I think that I saw, I actually logged on to watch Danny do that it was 2005, right? I was yes. at a molecular biology course at Cold Spring Harbor Laboratory and I woke up in the middle of the night or whenever it was, because it was done in China, yes. to watch him and on a little thing about the size of a phone and saw it and it, it was, you know, it was the first ever kind of thing like that. It Even was though it's trip. not like skateboarding the way I think about it, you know, jumping over monuments and stuff is, <laughs> yeah. is, is very theatrical. On the, on the other hand, um, just knowing a little bit of him and having known him a little bit earlier and, and now better, um, we're friendly now as adults. Like I think just to think of anytime someone's doing something for the very first time of that magnitude, it's really special. Oh, it was insane. I mean, I, so you, insane, dude. yeah. And at the time, of course I had kind of a skateboard mentality about it. Like 
this is kind of dumb, you know, like, mm. well, just cause he had done, he'd done essentially like a bigger gap and, you know, he'd done stuff on the rail. He'd done all, you know, and I was like, oh, whatever, like, this will be cool. Like, you know, I'm, I was happy as his friend to go and I was happy as a photographer to go there and capture it. Um, although I was asked, it was the first time photographing him that I ever shot anything digitally. Mm. And that was right when, you know, I mean, digital cameras had come out well before then, but I, they like, I was forced to shoot it with a digital camera and I was yeah. like fighting it tooth and nail. It got to the point where they're like, okay, well, DC was like, all right, well, we're just, you're just not going to go. And I'm like, okay, well, buy me a nice digital camera then. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> and because it, it was, you know, when he landed it, I didn't get to even see him afterwards. I was like put into a car because there was no like Wi-Fi and like yeah, sending yeah. it on your phone. I was taken in one of the more psychotic car rides I've ever been in my life to a press room to upload this you know i had to edit the photos super fast wow. I, rem- I remember like there's all these people over my shoulder and i'm like fuck like this sucks That's you know intense. knowing you this is like your biggest nightmare oh it sucks mike like <laughs> mike mike will always find a corner where he can just edit photos where no one sees them. <laughs> yeah. you can't say send me that photo he's like i'll send you that photo but only once it's ready ready yeah that it's that work ethic and so they're surrounding you all yeah. these people well because they wanted to get get it out there and i remember <sighs> the next day it was like it was one of, if not the most, like, looked at thing on the internet. Wow. Like, at period. And I was like, okay, like, I get it now, mm. you know. But I was like, I still could have shot it with film. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I could have done did. the whole, like, process the film in the bathroom sink. I used to do it when I was a kid at the weddings, you know, like that kind of thing. But they were like, no, shoot a digital. It has to go out now. And it was, like, on, you know, it was in newspapers. It was everywhere in the world. Like, the photo went wow. absolutely everywhere. And how hard was it to pick that photo and how fast? Um, it was easy because, you know, he made the jump, you know, four or five times. So I picked, you know, the right, you know, back three, how it looked. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, there was one time the sun actually came out, which was a rare occurrence. And, you know, it's usually like smoggy and kind of shit weather. Yeah. Uh, the sun did come out and it was like, you could see he actually wore a red shirt, which also kind of sucked because it was in front of this giant red monument oh, so the sun came out and you could see him so it was pretty easy to pick out that the select was Damn. and i just gave them that because you know you always if you give them the one that you don't want them to run they're gonna run that one so yeah, I yeah, just yeah. was like here's your portraits here's your photos with the officials we shot and here's your one action photo the one and that's it so, yeah wild might i have a question um about um cars and shooting because you, you mentioned uh uh ken block who was at dc yes but then i i don't know if you uh watch this stuff toby but if people haven't seen this if you go on youtube and you put in um you know ken block san francisco driving like all the 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 rally car stuff and jumping cars through san francisco and um you know just crazy cars in city yes. type stuff which isn't skateboarding so when did you learn to shoot cars jumping and all the the Jim Connor videos I think have hundreds of millions of views right the San Francisco one has does have over a hundred million views wow um but it was this thing where you know Ken Ken was always into cars you know he always had like nice cars and you you know when I when he hired me to work as a kid for DC shoes um you know he always had like a Oh, it's nice Benz or whatever. He's always yeah. into like cars, you know. But when he sold DC, he went to rally racing school and he started like 
you know, driving, you know, learning how to really, really drive. You yeah. know, it turns out he had a lot of talent in that. And he, um, and he's also very smart and he's good at marketing. And this is when like viral, quote unquote, viral videos are coming yeah, out. Yeah. And people, you know, like filming like a car, like sliding into a parking spot or something like that. And he, you know, him being the brilliant dude that he is was like, well, what if I make like a six or seven minute part, like a skateboard part, but with my car? Wow. And so <laughs> crazy idea at the time, right? Crazy. Insane. Yeah. So he did, you know, and it was, and it went off like it, it you know, and I still was like, oh, whatever. Like, you know, I didn't really pay much attention. But then when Gymkhana 4 came around, it was 2011, and we were filming it on the back lot at Universal Studios. And he's like, Blabes, you should really come check this out. And I was like, okay. My mind was blown. Like, one of the first things I shot was on top of one of the buildings, right at, right at where Back to the Future is, oh, right wow. where they filmed Back to the Future. He, like, and I, you know, got the set a little bit late, and he comes like sliding around and just slides. I mean, within like inches of people and all this <laughs> stuff, just like first try, like slides in like, you know, if you were pulling into a gas station between where the pumps are, like the two rows of pumps, yeah, yeah. like slid like sideways up into the gas station, sideways the whole way through the gas station, like, <laughs> and then just out and exited like perfectly. First try. And I was like, whoa, dude, when did you learn how to do this? Like he was the guy that laid out ads and design shoes it's like a skateboard like, trick yeah it's no it's like it literally insane. i'm gonna power slide through this like corner on the sidewalk. yeah no it was insane like my mind was blown i was like dude I, this is i was that was super impressive like <laughs> you know what i mean i was like it was crazy and i and i shot photos for the day and i went home and i edited them right away because i was excited to see them you know because you sometimes when you shoot stuff you're like in the moment and you're you're concentrating on what lens you're using in your yeah. settings and when you look at them you know, whether it's film or on your computer, you're just like, whoa, like that was gnarly. And this was, I was very excited to go home. So I sent him everything and he was like, you're coming back. And I was like, no, dude, I got to go on a skate trip tomorrow. He's like, you're not going on a skate trip. Tomorrow. <laughs> I love how these guys, it's like Danny and Ken, both of them, like Danny, you want to watch, a, you want to shoot a photo of somebody like doing a, like a switch crooks on a two foot high block or you want to see someone jump 70 foot feet in the air. <laughs> and then you're like, I actually have work. And they're like, no, you're going to do this. And then it's Ken. It's like, no, you're not going skateboarding. You're going to shoot pictures of me sliding my car through parking lots. Which I was, you know, I was like, well, cool. No better person to tell them uh, that I'm not going than you. Yeah, so, exactly. like, Because it was a DC trip. So I'm like, yeah, perfect. Like. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> and so I drove back up and ended up staying for three more nights because it was a four-day shoot. And, uh, yeah, it was insane. Because for me, you know, making a ledge look cool, which, again, like a knee-high ledge, like making that look dope versus like a car sliding around yeah. and doing something amazing and shooting it like skating where there's a reference of where you took off and where you're landing and like yeah, yeah. framing it and telling a story all in one photograph for me was so much fun because it's like we have universal studios to ourselves, and one of the coolest like race cars and a team. And it's like, you couldn't even dream of being able to do that as a kid. Yeah. So for me, you know, being able to photograph that is so much fun. So I've done every one since then. Oh, wow. Yeah. You have some close calls. Cause <laughs> you can hit an ankle with a skateboard, no, the, but you hit the, by a car is different. The, I mean, the China thing again, the back in China or, or those roads in, uh, those those mountainside roads oh yeah we we were in in 2019 in september uh he did this thing called climb Kana, which is like there's tianmen mountain 
which is in some province in the middle of, I don't know, in the middle of nowhere in China. <laughs> I don't know where we were. It was a long flight. And uh, it was a, it's a mountain with 99 turns that goes up to the Jesus. top of this mountain. And then the, there's stairs at the top of this mountain. And there's 999 stairs. And we were we were on this mountain. And, you know, he he has different cars for all these different projects. And this one in particular was a 77 Ford F-150 with a Ford GT motor in it. Okay. And it was kind of like this sketchy, like, thing that didn't really, you know, it was like, it doesn't really handle super well. Mm-hmm. And he's, like, flying into these turns. And there's, like, 4,000-foot drops on some of these turns because it's on a mountain yeah and like when we were scouting one of the first days and there's all these big uh boulders and they're on it's kind of like guardrails yeah and we were scouting we were walking up the mountain and i just kind of like kicked one with my foot i'm like hey dude these move like just so you know (laughs) like these are not stopping you and he's like i know he's like i'm glad lucy's not here and that's his wife and like it just there and it was it was sketchy and i remember i don't like heights and on this one turn in particular, turn 43, he comes into the turn and he does like a donut, two donuts. I don't know what they have names for these things. I okay. still do, I still don't know these names. I'm, I know skate tricks. 360. Yeah, 360. Uh, there's pirouettes. There's all kinds of shit. I don't know Jesus. what. Yeah, They're I don't, calling them pirouettes. Better not to know the names. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, whatever. Uh, it's amazing. Whatever they, whatever he was doing was incredible. But I had to. I, I, I picked where I wanted to be and I stood there. And I waited till the car was coming because I, you, when I'm photographing these things, I really want to map them out and know as much as humanly possible because yeah. I'm not part of the whole planning process. I'm like literally showing up in China and being like, okay, what are we doing? Damn. And, and the, you know, the, they had these bus drivers, these tourist bus drivers, and they were taking people up and they were pissed because we were closing down the road for like ages and they yeah. was back and it was jamming them up. And I remember they were trying to get as close to me as possible i'm standing there and just these mirrors coming by my head wow flying up the mountain and i don't like heights and it's like you know a couple thousand foot drop and i'm just standing it, it sucked you know standing there for hours um you know and there's been a couple close calls uh like we were in dubai and he was doing donuts around a, a ford raptor like a giant pickup truck on yeah. two wheels you know have you ever seen him like drive yeah, like yeah, sideways yeah. on two wheels and we're coming he's coming down the main freeway and there's a raptor on two wheels and he's doing donuts around the Raptor in this like little tiny, crazy, like 700 horsepower Ford Focus, like doing donuts around it. Fuck, and I'm like, dude. and I'm standing in the middle, in the middle of the road and he's like coming at me. You know, I have a long lens, but I'm like, hey, dude, am I good? And he's like, this thing stops real quick. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. And it was 7 a.m. the first morning. Jesus, dude. And I'm like, your, your, your days and nights are flipped because there's a 12 hour time difference oh, in yeah, Dubai. Jet, like, yeah, you're oh, off. it was insane. Like, I didn't know where I was. Like, <laughs> hell and espresso. And like, just, you know, so I'm like on this road, like, coffeeed out of my gourd, like, just trying to shoot him doing donuts. And his, the ass end of the car did come about like four or five feet away from me. And it just felt so because you could feel like the wind going by you, and the, the you know, those trucks are like six, seven thousand pounds. Yeah. They're big trucks, you know. It's so it's sketchy. Like it's definitely, but I feel safe if he's. I mean, I do believe that Ken, Ken and I yeah. are very good friends. So if he's like, you're good, I'm like, okay, I'm good. So is this a whole world of people that do this and they get paid to do it and they're sponsored to do it? Or is this something people just do for fun? This is something Ken Block does. Okay, so yeah, that's pretty much, much it. No, it's not something. So not that, a lot of people do this. Yeah, he's pretty much, and his daughter, who's 15 now, right? She, just got her first race car. No right? way. She one of the She's projects a, we did in LA uh, 
Gymkhana 7. We filmed it in 2012, and it was a 60, I think it was a 67, six, I don't know, it was a late 60s Mustang, but NASCAR crate motor, like all-wheel drive, like completely changed the car Damn. and filmed, we filmed a project in L.A., uh, Jim Connors. I mean, he did a donut around Randy's donuts, like all this crazy shit. That's cool. And now he's sponsored by Audi, and they did the series where he was drag racing people because the it's the car's called the Hoonicorn. Okay. <laughs> and uh, they did this thing where he was drag racing like actual drag racing cars, like all these crazy cars. And because he couldn't, you know, he's like, oh, it's probably not appropriate that I'm driving a Ford. And now I'm sponsored by Audi. Yeah. His 15 year old daughter, Leah, started, did a series racing. Wow. Yeah. Man. And she's grown up in carts and like seeing her dad, you know, racing for a living. Yeah. And now she races rally. His wife races rally and he races rally. His wife rally. does it too? Yeah. They all three race Jeez. rally together. I always wonder if in that family you, you get your, your, your family driver's license when you're like six months old or something. You know? <laughs> no, it's amazing. That's crazy. Not many people so cool. do this. It's like just his family and like well, document it. And I mean, he's a successful rally car driver, you know, but this, you know, and again, like Ken's such an amazing marketer and has such a brilliant mind that he's like, oh, this is, this will be a fun, like cool thing to do. And also like, you know, we'll get people to pay for it. And like, you know, yeah. it's just like, it's amazing, like marketing thing. So, you know, he does these Jim Connor projects, but he's also a rally car driver as well. So, Fuck, man. no, they're insane. I mean, for, <laughs> for all the things that I've been lucky enough to do all over the world and see, you know, it's fun to photograph things that pe stop people in their tracks. You yeah. Know, you can photograph a celebrity or you can do this or do that. But when you, when you see something like, him jumping over a whole city block and Russian Hill on a car. People are like, whoa, dude, like, what is that? So yeah. to be able to photograph stuff like that is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, same thing amazing. with skateboarding. Same you know? exact same thing. Yeah. Because skateboarding, it's like you're, you're shooting something that, you know, just like I or you probably tore out pages of magazines and you taped them to your walls. When For you're sure. A kid. So getting able to create something like that, that people really want to stop and look at is dope. Like it's, yeah. Cool. And you see, you did the family portraits book too, which is great too. Do you like taking distills of people? I do. I mean, it's again, I think that was, that came at a time where I was, where I, you know, I wanted to start meeting other people and, you yeah. know, I'd always been into portraiture. I, I grew up, you know, being a fan of fashion photography, like guys like Richard Avedon and really studying portraiture. And, you know, again, I wish I'd shot more of it when I was a kid, but I did shoot quite a bit of it from when I moved to the city. And, yeah, you know, I still do. I still love shooting portraits. Um, so, you know, I, I worked with Saint Archer at the time, which is funny because I didn't drink. Because <laughs> you didn't drink. <laughs> I didn't drink, and you know, they they were like, "Oh, well, we want you to be an ambassador," and I was like, "I have no idea what that means." Mm. But like, and even like to the point where Adam is the head of marketing at the time. I, you know, again, like I I feel like I have a pretty good work ethic. I was like, "Hey, dude, like." I have no idea what I do for you guys. And he was like, he's like, you know, like you introduce us to people and like you do, you know, you shoot photos for us and like, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm not posting photos of beer cans on my like feed or like, and he's like, no, that's not what we want you to do. We just want you to, you know, link us up with FTC or these shops and like, just be, you know, be an ambassador for us. And like, yeah, you know, we give you beer, like give it to Grant, give it, you know, like, I'm like, okay, but I still, I don't feel like I do anything for you guys. Like <laughs> he's like, well, what do you want to do? And I'm like, well, I love books, you know, cause I'd made the book and it was such yeah. a great experience because you're making something that's tangible. It's like everything on the web is like 
a fart in the wind. You yeah. know, it's just like you pass, you scroll through Instagram and it just come and goes to make a book. It's like something tangible that you don't want to throw away. So he's like, cool, we'll make a book. And so they helped me publish that book in That's 2019. Awesome, yeah, I know it was amazing. It was a fun project. And did you have a bunch of those photos already or did you started taking more? Um, I wish I had taken more. Um, at the time, you know, as am and still is like, you know, you know, full throttle, like at DC, I was doing a, a lot of commercial work, you know, at the time. So it was difficult for me to like do that as well. Yeah. And that was when the, the dim light bulb started to go on about drinking. I'm like, wait, mm. I'm like, I have all these things going on and all these opportunities and all this stuff, but it's so much harder for me to do. Oh, and two kids. And yeah, two that, kids, and yeah. That, yeah, that too. Um, you know, and so it was like, it was very, it was hard. Um, so I, I did shoot some stuff for the book specifically. Um, and it was a great experience and launched the book and went out there. It was, it was awesome. So, yeah. Do yeah. you want to do more books too? I'd love to do more books. I'd love to reprint my first book Yeah, because it's no longer available and I, I need, I should hit up powerhouse. So if they're listening, <laughs> I'd like to republish it. <laughs> oh, it's like one pre- there's only one pressing of the artist skateboarding. Yeah. Okay. And now, I mean, I look online and I'm like, wow, it's like selling for hundreds of dollars for a copy, which is a trip, you know, cause it's me and I don't like to think of myself in that way, but it's yeah. like, it's doing, you know, people are, still hit me up to this day like how do i get a hold of that yeah so well one of the things that i learned from being in the skateboard world a a lot shorter period of time than you've been in it but is that for people listening like take if you're somebody who likes taking photos take photos because the photos that you take now have a tremendous value going forward 100 percent. you know yeah yeah you know and so much so that whenever i've you know podcasted or gone on you know i secretly take appropriate photos of you know of toby or of lex friedman or like you get photos with people that of people right and that's just for my own keepsake right you know but it's like you can't travel back so what seems now like oh you know there's so many photos out there there's so much stuff out there it just won't matter but that's what everyone said in 1993 or in or was or people were thinking in 2005 or 2017 so the amazing things that are happening now are are worth documenting well yeah, yeah and, they're, and they're like baseball cards it's like who you shoot photos of also makes them more valuable i mean yeah. of course like this like that's i mean andrew's making fun of me because i'm shooting photos of both of you guys when i sat <laughs> yeah down. we should probably say it when we sat down to, <laughs> like to record mike t- t- took out his like a like uh the photographer he started taking photos of toby and me and, and i i said to toby i said this is you know this is probably the first time that the guest on a podcast <laughs> is taking photos of the other people as opposed to the other way around are you taking pictures every day yeah pretty and, much. and with yeah. your phone camera as well no Okay. I try not to. Huh. Well, because it's How like, much did that change the game with photographers and people claiming to be photographers on social media? Um, and take away from like real photography. I don't think it took away. Okay. I think it added to it. Okay. I mean, I like to think of it that way because it's like there was always someone that wanted to take your job or someone that wanted to be... True. You know, there's always someone that wants to be a musician or yeah. there's always someone who wants to be a podcaster, but it's like you just need to worry about what you're doing. True. And you need to do a good job of that and not worry about everything else. You're so Midwest. So. <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> you know, saying. it's true. It's such a Midwest mentality because I yeah. do think that, you know, growing up on the coast, it was always like, you know, you hear about this, like, you know, kids, the sponsor me thing. Like people mm. were so obsessed by it or like how to, how to move up or do this. But it is true in science, in photography and music. Like if you're paying too much attention to what other people are doing, that's time and energy you're not spending on your own craft and yeah. so by definition you are falling behind yeah it's true man. You know? yeah you need to pay attention to what you're doing 
and stay in your it. own lane, man. Do your thing. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, for me, it's just made photography more accessible okay. to everyone, which I think is a good thing. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. And I love shooting film. I mean, I grew up like learning how to process and print film and there's it's a beautiful medium and it's not practical for what I do often for work, but I enjoy doing it. Yeah. You know, but it's just you know, the the fast pace of photography now and Instagram and everything, it just allows you to share what you do with more people. So I don't yeah. think it's a bad thing. And yeah. commercially speaking, you know, the days of like, oh, well, you're getting hired to do a print campaign and that's it. And, you know, you can look at it one way like that's, you know, that's a very beautiful thing. But also now when you get hired to do a job, there's a hundred different uses for a photograph. Yeah. So true. it's like there's more opportunity as well. And social media is, is your portfolio. Exactly. Your pages, yeah. Even though mine is mostly old skateboard photos, but still. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing with tattoos, I think, too, like how they had TV shows with tattoos, and now like they're really accepted. You know, it's like more normalized to have tattoos. Definitely. I mean, you've you know? got a few extra. I do. <laughs> um, but but, <laughs> but, but social but, media magnifies that, yeah. the whole tattoo world. and Yeah. Yeah, I think also it you know it gives the opportunity to see, you know, that the person who doesn't have any conduit to a company like DC or a university or isn't in the New York city hardcore scene or for a yeah. long time can literally put something up there. And if somebody spots it and it's, and it's amazing, yeah. it, it can give them a start. Even if people always think of like going viral, or it's a big break, but I actually think what it does is it creates one or two connections or relationships that then lead to one or two relationships of people who are like you, like with you and Grant that could critique your art. It's not always yeah. that, like, yeah. this is amazing. It's it's the, hey, this is a little blurry. <laughs> get your eyes checked. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> get, some, get some glasses, shoot more photos. Right. And if that door does open, just make sure to walk through it. But now exactly. some kid from Steubenville, Ohio, that wants to be a photographer can find out about you and he can post his stuff on social media. Maybe you'll see it. Yes. Maybe you'll hit him up, give him advice. Yeah. That's what's cool about it. It's dope. And when people do reach out to me over Instagram and ask me, I try and always reply to them as best I can because Grant did take the time a, that's and a, literally that's wrote down like straighten your horizon line and, yeah you know took the time and sent me back my film and put something in the mail and like it was is amazing Lance it Mountain is. did the same thing really yeah I wrote him I did a school project and they were like write to someone that you you look up to and ask them like a question okay basically and so I wrote Lance and I, again I think I was yeah I was in eighth grade and I wrote him like, hey, you know, how do you shoot photos? Like it's because he was always such a creative dude. So and creative, took, man. took photos. And and I remember he, I got a postcard back from him. It's amazing. And he was dude. like, photography is just like skating. You know the angles. You just got to do it. It's essentially like what he said. And I remember when I made the book in 2009, I wanted to include that postcard in the book. And I went to his house and I'm like, dude, did you write this? And he was like, yeah, that's definitely my handwriting. Like I wrote that. So wow, I shot portraits dude. of him in a skate photo and put it next to the postcard in the book. It's fucking beautiful, man. That's amazing. Yeah, that's so cool. I mean, I'm so thankful that I've been, you know, gone from being a kid in the Midwest and writing letters to people to now like friends being with friends. your heroes. It's insane. It is it's really, insane. It's like really, really cool. Same with Cabin and Soy. I met them years ago on the Warp Tour and then moving out here. Then like skating with them and they've been on my podcast and I uh, Cavalier played on one of our songs on H Two O Record and. This, it's crazy because you look up to these guys like they're fucking 10 years older than you, but they're really not much older than, than you. <laughs> and you meet them. You know, magazines are like up here and then you meet yeah. them like, so cool, man. Yeah. I used to write Emakai letters, uh, postcards. He used to write me back. I have a couple from Emakai no in the way. 80s. And he still, he still writes post, postcards to this day. Still does really? it. Really? Yep. 
Wow. He seems like the kind of guy that like might not even have a phone, like an eye, like a. You can call, we could hang up and call Discord. He might answer on the weekday. Amazing. He, he's so off the grid, but he's really so accessible as well. He's always at Discord. It's crazy. You could pull up. He'll be there. Take a photo on the steps. He's like like. Uh, it's unreal, man. I don't know uh, Makai, but it seems like Jim Thibault, similar. Yes. Like just you know up there doing deluxe just so in all aspects of skateboarding and just from a place of just wanting to give as much as humanly possible to this thing that he loves so much yeah jim Th- jim Thibault's gonna be like the nicest humans in skateboarding world best dude if i could give out everybody nobel, nobel peace prize <laughs> to jim Th- jim <laughs> saved so many lives and i i'm gonna i'm gonna make him blush if he's listening to this but it's just and he's so humble he'd say no no way no way but it's it's the people who are that humble who don't realize that they're yeah. doing what they're doing, but they're just doing it in the same way that, you know, love it. someone like Ken is just doing what he, it just, it just spills out from them. You yes. know, they're not thinking, Oh, how do I be a nice guy? Or, how do I, you know, no, it's just like, not. it's just who they are. And, yeah. and the expression comes out in this community and in this way. It's well, I, you know, remember before I started working for Mad Circle, I was a kid and I, I remember going to deluxe and I did a couple things for deluxe. Uh, when I was a kid and I remember I went to like a payphone and I called Deluxe and I, I asked for Jim and got on the phone with him and I was just like, hey, like, you know, because I was like, I knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, But I was like, well, you know, do you think I could work for Deluxe? And he's like, no, I mean, we have Gabe who still works for them <laughs> to this day. <laughs> That's cool. Incredible, yeah, Gabe Morford, like incredible photographer. And I was like, no, I, I know. I was just needed, wondered if you needed any extra help. And, you know, Jim was so gracious. He was like, no, I mean, we don't, but like, you know, we could for sure like, you know, have you do some things, but he's like, just keep shooting, keep doing what you're doing. And I was like, okay. You know, like I just listened to, you know, I'm like, again, like very valuable advice. I'm like, okay. Like, you know, and it was, I I still remember that, you know, phone call to this day. Yeah. It's like those legends giving you their time just to talk to them or write them and stuff. It's like, it's amazing. It goes such a long way. It changes your life. Yeah. Which is why, you know, again, like you asked, if people ask me questions, I try and always answer them. Or I, you know, sometimes when I post something on Instagram, I try and put like the things that I would want to have read as a nerd, camera nerd <laughs> as a kid, like yeah. camera data or like exposure information. And like I try and put that stuff because it's not a secret, you know, I just try and put it in there. Do you still love photography to this day? Love it. Love it more than And skating, anything. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, skating, you know, it's like I don't do it the same as I was and I'm not as plugged into it as I was because it's all I did all day every day yeah um but you know I think it's like you or Andrew like we feel the same way like you watch a GX video you watch something you're like oh my god and you just it gets you so pumped totally like makes you want to skate or it makes you want to go do something yeah I can't think of anything else like that yeah and you you pay attention to the new skaters and stuff obviously probably taking pictures of them and stuff yes yeah, I'm lucky enough to still have my toe dipped in it with DC. And and also through my kid. You know, Noah, like, has such a good eye and, like, has such good taste in skating. Because, you know, it's like, it's an art form. It's like totally, music or man. anything else. It's like, you could have really good taste or you could have absolutely terrible taste. Just like you could have terrible style or, like, be a bad, you know, musician. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you, you could be terrible at skating and still love doing it. It's crazy. When, when I was younger, like, you when you first start, just learning how to do your first ollie, just practicing all day. And you keep slamming and falling, but you just want to do it. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing feeling when you first land something. Yeah. But the interesting thing about skating is you could be, you could be, you could technically be good at it, but still look terrible. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And that's like the most interesting thing to me. And that's what I love. Like, I, I, I love talking to Noah about this, you know, because he's just like, yeah, that guy, like, that guy's disgusting, you know, like. <laughs> but he kills it. 
it, he's, he's a, weird, he's a good skateboarder. Sloppy style or something. something yeah, like, like amazing. He's very good, but he's just like, yeah, I can't watch that guy skate. You know, and I relate to that very a lot. You know, because I, you know, it's just a, it's a, and again, there's nothing wrong. There's no wrong or right answer. It's all, yeah. it's, it's a creative thing, and that's what's so amazing about it to begin with. It's just it's such a creative thing. It's like writing. It's like music. It's 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 an art. Yeah. And so it's. You know, I, I, I love that about it. So, And I have my own particular taste in it, that's all. And when uh, you see something that really matches that, it's amazing. Well, one, one thing that's always... Uh, Mike and I work together on uh, the Huberman Lab podcast yes. and have from the beginning. But uh, the other two guys in it are amazing guys. We have an amazing team, but aren't from the skateboarding thing. So every once in a while, I have to like keep myself from like just saying, Mike, like, do you see this guy mariano clip like we're both huge <laughs> guy mariano fans i mean if you w- want to see again it's it's highly individual but yeah. guy just what he does he makes everything look incredible it's just there's and i couldn't point to any one specific thing about it or how he makes that happen but um i always have to just wait until mike and i are like away from from the groups because otherwise <laughs> yeah. i'll just all day i'll be like this jimmy wilkins clip is insane and then this guy mariano clip is insane and you know yeah, so if you're sending... there we'll do it right yeah Cause you because you yeah. get it so you look at but, clips a lot Andrew. you watch a lot of skate stuff yeah these days i mean i always run it by mike to make sure that my i'm calibrated <laughs> and i'm not um but again it's a know, matter of taste yeah you know like the olympics did nothing for me i was happy that it was in there for because it would expand skateboarding but yeah you know i I think watching Jimmy Wilkins skate vert is one of the most exciting things I've ever seen in any sport. And I pay attention mm. to a few other sports pretty closely and it's just incredible. It's just what he's doing, how fast he goes, how big, but just all how, just how he looks when he does it. Yeah. Um, and yeah. And then guy and of course gone's and you know, I have my favorites and there are others. Clay Kreiner is amazing. I still love watching clips of Danny, you know, and, um, and obviously Tony, right? Hawk. Still killing it. Jesus. Yeah, you know, That's coming amazing. off the broken leg so fast. I and, know, dude. You know, he's a mutant in, in the best sense of the word. And just, yeah, there are people that I love watching. Dude. The GX1000 guys, the new video, what's what's the new one called? Uh, something for Pablo. I yeah. mean, I'm embarrassed that I don't know right off the yeah. top of my head. But <laughs> it's, it's, Bombing it's, a, it's insane. Amazing. It's like, the it's most ridiculous thing. Incredible. It is. Okay, I'm going to check that out. Yeah. yeah. It's it's scary. It's scary. it's a little it's scary to watch. Like you know, it's like it's. Um, I'm afraid to watch the Dahmer thing Ooh. on Netflix. You suggested it, and I, I I watched the trailer. I'm like, no, thank you. Watching GX1000 skate San Francisco makes me it makes my pulse rate go up to a point where I'm like, this is insane. Mm. Like it's it. Um, so, but definitely check it out. <laughs> and they would take your comparison to Dahmer as a compliment. Yes, sure. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because it's uh, gnarly. Yeah. That big air thing was an old school session in Utah they had last year. It was incredible watching Cab. Yes. Um, and the Christians saw everybody skating together. It's it was so beautiful, sick. man. I want to go to that. Yeah. And Ellis just was out there too. Yeah. He linked got a concussion like he slammed like the oh, first day. I yeah. worry about Doing him. like a 540. Jason. Yeah. Jason. Love you. I love you, Ellis, man. You're a madman. You, you, you go so hard. It's inspired, but it's also scary. I'll set him up. You okay? Yeah, I have a concussion. Well, the thing is, Jason. Just, <laughs> uh, Jason. Listen, Jason. You know, skate. Pick one. It's like skateboarding. You can hurt yourself. Okay, fine. It, it stunts. <laughs> he's also a stunt man, and he does the boxing thing. Although he's been yeah. doing stand-up comedy now. Yeah, I that, that seems like great. less concussion problems there. <laughs> but. Uh, how about skateboarding and comedy, and then drop the other stuff just to spare your your. Dog? I love that he goes so hard, though, man. He yeah. just and he's just himself. I love him so much. Yeah. And his comedy's great. I saw him do stand up; it was awesome. Yeah, he's amazing. He can do anything. He just focuses on, you know. He goes, but yeah, he's all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anybody you still haven't took photos of in skateboarding you'd love to besides No Blender? Um, I mean, there's a lot. 
you know, there's, I, I it's funny because I, I, I wish that I had, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I'd love to like fly to New York and shoot. There's this kid, Tyshawn. Okay. A huge, like, I'm like, man, like, he's so sick. Okay. I'm like, I'd love to just go to New York and, like, hang out with him and, like, shoot photos for, like, a day or two. Can you just make it happen? Just hit him up? Probably. I mean, I, I, I know uh, Bill Strobeck, who films him all the time. I'm sure I could hit up Bill and be yeah. like, hey, dude, can I come out for, like, a day or two? And just, cool. like, just for fun. So I probably will at least ask if I can do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's there's tons of people I'd love to photograph. What about some old school heads? You probably got all those already. Neil, Neil would be one. Neil one, yeah. But you know, I've never shot a skate photo of a soy. Mm. Shot portraits. I mean, I, I shot, like, a doubles photo of him at Tony's Ramp with Jason oh, on, yeah, yeah. on Ellis's birthday. Okay. Um, is the closest I've come. But, like, he and I, like, together, you know, I've never shot Jimmy Wilkins. Andrew and I are going to go down this week and oh, do you that are? at Tony's, nice. Tony's Ramp. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's tons of people. You know, because I'm such a fan of skateboarding, yeah. it's like fun for me to do. It's like I'm, it's like what I did. As What's a kid. that Japanese kid that is always always posting? He's incredible. There's Christ airs. I know who you're talking about. Oh my god, yeah. he's so sick. I don't know his name yeah. though. He's yeah. won a contest or something. I, yeah, the kids coming up were amazing. It's insane. So yeah. fearless. That Tony Hawk ramp, man. I went there and skated it. I was so shook. I met mm-hmm. Tony first time. I mean, I didn't drop in. I was just carving to the top. I refused to drop in and slam. I could definitely do it, but it's been years since I dropped in something that vert. Yeah. He's just standing on top looking down. It's, man. Yeah. Could you drop in on that? I probably could. I'm not going to do <laughs> yeah. these days. I want to play myself in yeah, front no. of him especially. Absolutely not. And, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm like 48. <laughs> I'm not trying to like drop it. The ramp's 14 and a half feet it's, tall. It's scary, dude. It's gnarly. I'd rather watch Jimmy do it or yeah. Tony or whomever is skating and take photos of him and just enjoy it. Yeah. You, what's the biggest ramp you dropped in on Andrew before? Uh, I don't know. Probably... A smallish vert ramp, the Linda, Back in the day. Linda Vista Boys Club ramp. How big was that? Like eleven and a half Probably, feet tall. Something. Yeah, maybe, oh, maybe eleven. Damn. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I'm not going to claim I'm going to do it now, but yeah, <laughs> but it pools. Like I was skating the San Jose skate park for a while when skate parks kind of popped up, and definitely there was vert on some of those pools, and you drop in. And with pool coping, it sticks out pretty far. Yes. Um, and so it feels over vert. There's that moment where you're kind of dropping through no, through what feels like nothing. So there's a moment free there. falling almost. But yeah. I think the key is really to just make sure that you get close to the wall as early as possible, right? Like exactly. you don't want to put your head in the flat bottom and your feet against the wall. Yeah. Like you want to keep your whole body as close to the wall as possible. Yeah. And I think that's uh, yeah. But you know, I I was never a big uh, transition guy. I was not a very good skateboarder, frankly. My body matured late. So I was getting hurt a lot mm. and I was skinny and I kept damaging myself and I'd had no pop. And then, you know, I, I later my body filled out and I got um, stronger and, but I, by then I'd moved on to doing things like tie boxing and boxing and academics. Yeah. And so I was, I was, I was punching books and, and, um, and Ollie concepts. <laughs> Did you miss skateboarding? Did you miss when you left it behind? All the, well, I missed it and I also stayed close to it. So for me, I'd go, when I was in graduate school, I'd go up to, I'd see punk rock shows. So that was, those things were always blended for me. Totally. I was never really into the hip hop thing, although I like it. I was, those things were really blended for me. It was the whole energy of it and the scene. Um, but I did, and actually when I was in graduate school, I had this picture on my computer next to where I worked all day and all night because I worked like crazy, and it was a picture of my friend that I grew up with, Paul Zwanich, who eventually became a pro skateboarder and then moved out of it. I think I was just doing like some like like indie grab air over a hip or something, and like, and I put it there because it inspired me, but I'd watch the videos when they came out online, Yeah. and then when all the Lakai stuff started coming out and, yeah. um, and the girl stuff, like all those videos, I would watch them. 
on YouTube and was like, wow, you know, like what people are doing is amazing. So yeah. I always loved it. It still gives me energy. Totally. Right? And to me, the skateboarding community, and this is actually how Mike and I eventually decided to start working together is if, you know, if you want to do something DIY and, yeah. and you want to put the right feel on it, meaning what's right for what you want the world to see, the skateboarders are going to do that. Whereas like a marketing agency or totally. like a branding agency, <laughs> they, they, they just don't get it. Yeah, they, they, you know, sorry, marketing. They might get it for like a Hollywood person or something, but um, that's eventually how Mike and I started working together on the podcast. Yeah, so you guys came up with it to do it. Was your idea to do a podcast, and you hit him up, or yeah? So Lex Friedman uh, told me I should do a podcast. I was like, okay, and then I contacted my friend Rob Moore, who's uh, had basically been helping me go on podcast at that time. And he does a podcast called The Fight with Teddy Atlas, which is all about MMA and boxing. And Teddy's like the I don't know, the Jim Thibault of, of martial arts, except he's got 30 more years on him. I mean, Damn. Teddy's been in it for a very long time. And so we're like, let's do a podcast. And so we decided to launch the HLP, the Huberman Lab podcast. And then for the top card, you know, the photo and the branding, I was like, I don't want to go to a marketing agency. They're going to tell me, oh, you should do this, wear a lab coat or something <laughs> that like no science. By the way, scientists don't wear lab coats. <laughs> you, you, you know, okay. I'm not recommending they don't because there's some safety protocols and stuff. But like it's sort of like skateboarders in the street ra rarely wear a helmet. Yeah. So if you see a movie where the street skateboarders are wearing a helmet, like, hey, kids, wear your helmet. Definitely. But, you know, you're looking at something. that's not the way it's really typically done. Unless you're Mike Vallely, who has a helmet. Still. Yeah. yeah. Shout so, out to Mike Vallely. Yeah. I love yeah. that dude. OK, go ahead. so um, <laughs> badass. So I was like at that point, I was in touch with Mike because of the health stuff. And we become friends and friendly, and and so I said, "Well, that guy's really good at taking photos." And he had done the the branding um, and the photos of a of a kid named Stevie Williams. That's yeah. what I was most familiar with—the pictures of people's Legend. faces up close, which is like a podcast top card. Yeah. So I said, "Can we do that?" And then we needed music and an intro and outro because for YouTube. And so he's like, "Oh yeah, I got guys from DC that can do that." And so every, I have to say, I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna embarrass him. Every <laughs> uh, in the best sense of the word, the everything that you see with the HLP, like the feel, the fact that it, you know, I want it to be about the science and the information. I didn't want bells and whistles and lab coats and, you know, beaker and beakers and stuff. Maybe, actually, we have one beaker and one thing. We do have, spinning. yes. We have one beaker video. And the bumper. But, and the bumper. Yeah. But I wanted it to have a feel that was me, but also was really about the information. So we um, uh, put together the the opening soundtrack song, the bumper, the, the, the visuals, and that's all Mike. Okay. And, and then we also decided we were going to take really excellent portraits, meaning Mike would take the portraits of all our guests. Yeah. Because nice. scientists are, are not as interesting to look at often as, as skateboarders and other people, because they're not doing anything. They're just standing there. And yet for, we've been talking a lot about skateboarding and cars and jumping and fl flips and stuff, but today, but um, Mike's portraiture is amazing. Yeah. And so, it's like, do you want to join us? And so Mike isn't just, he's not like our photographer. He handles all the aesthetic stuff. There's only four, like there are four core guys of the podcast. And then we poached two guys from DC recently. Yes. <laughs> so now we're, we're, skateboarders. we're, there's a lot of skateboarding woven into the Huberman Lab podcast okay. at a, at a kind of a foundational level. Yeah. Thanks to Mike. <laughs> yeah. Your portraits are amazing. The one of him Thank is you. incredible too. Like showing like what he looks like right now, this tats <laughs> and also Brooklyn Hori. Corey, yes. Brooklyn Corey. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's awesome, man. Yeah. Her story. I had her on the podcast, too. She's incredible. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. She's a skateboarder who got bit by a dog in her face. Oh, yeah. And bit her face took off. took a photo of her. Yeah, some portraits of her. Super posy, super incredible human, man. Yeah. But your portraits are amazing, yeah. So Thank just you. like action shots, you love just doing the stills, which is nice. It's fun. Yeah. I mean, it's fun because, you know, over the years, I look back and I'm like, man, like, 
you know, I, I, you know, I always wish I would have taken more back then, but I grew up again, looking at like fashion portraiture and things like that. I pulled a lot of inspiration for that, even wove it into shooting skateboarding, like the action photos, you know, but Grant obviously shot a lot of ton, ton of like great portraits and spike. So I've always enjoyed doing that, you know, and and in skating, you know, again, you're, you're in this industry or in this, like this, this thing that like, where you have to make something for people in which they kind of hate everything, you know, like if skateboarders like it, then pretty much the rest of the world will be hyped on it. And that's Mm. why fashion steals from skateboarding. And that's why everyone looks to skateboarding to see what it's incredible how that is now, man. So, you know, when Andrew, you know, when, when we started having, I think I remember because you, you came down to my house and you're like, I think I want to start a podcast. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? <laughs> and like, you kind of broke down this, you know, the same way. Only a couple years ago too. 2021 we launched. Incredible, yeah. Man. So this was like late 2020, probably November 2020. And you kind of broke down, you know, like the same way that I helped you and shared yeah. all this amazing information and all the people that you have access to through academia. It's such a good medium to get that out into the world. 100%. And I was like, oh. Okay, you know, and so kind of just, you know, like Andrew said, just plug, you know, like, hey, like I I pulled a couple ads from things and like maybe like a logo like this. Yeah. And we shot the portrait in front of my daughter's bedroom door and we recorded the audio in my bathroom. And wow. Yeah, super like, DIY. The, 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 that's the bumpers were done that way. Yeah. I mean, I think I was thinking about this for a moment. It's like when he says, you know, skateboarders hate everything. I think that the important thing is to do something that you really like and represents what you're doing really well. Like yeah. you do this with yours, like the port shot. Like totally. if you, you're a New Yorker. I know you're from Boston originally, but you're a New Yorker. <laughs> I'm <gonna> out <laughs> you again. East but, Coast. But like yeah. sitting on the stoop is like is like a huge part of life there. And and yeah. and you and and you know anyway, there are a lot of things about it. But I think the important thing is also to not include something that doesn't fit. So a lot of what we're doing in a kind of a, you know Apple Steve Jobs kind of ish way is to always figure out what not to include like Mike's stuff is so clean like get make sure people see what they need to see and then not clutter it yeah you know give them the information but then strip away as much as possible so that they can get what they need and I think um yeah it's been a ton of fun I mean it's also allowed me to work with one of my now best friends and to also work out together when we travel like yeah. when we go to do podcasts elsewhere it's like wake up in the morning and one of our guys is like he's a triathlete so he's like out five in the morning running cycling swimming. Damn. Rest, we're like coffee 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 <laughs> coffee 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 that's kind of thing but getting to work with your friends and travel to me it feels like skateboarding except i exited yeah i didn't get the chance i wasn't good enough I didn't put the time in to, to, you know, be part of the, that world. So for me though, it feels exactly like skateboarding, like get in the car and go or get in, bring all the gear and go or record and yeah. you know, record at the kitchen table and then get it out to the world. Totally. I, I think amazing. that it's, yeah. it's, that's the feel. And then of course, then to do it with your homies and like trust that like, these are the best people I wouldn't want to work. I couldn't imagine working with anybody else. If it was someone who came along and was like, Oh, you know, big agency or yeah. like, I was like, I would, I would actually not do it. I always say, you know, if it wasn't Mike, Rob, and Ian working with me, that's the kind of core four. And I love Martin and Chris and Sarah and our other people too. But if the, with the if those other three guys weren't there, I wouldn't do the podcast. Yeah. I just wouldn't. I'm the same way that like in a band, right? Totally. You might be able to turn over one member if somebody dies or something, but you, the chemistry is what's important. 100%, man. It's chemistry, chemistry, chemistry. And even though I'm the only guy blabbing into the microphone <laughs> forward, it's like I cannot do it without them yeah like it's not like 
it, that just an overstatement. I can't. There's no way. That, that must make you feel really nice. It does. Yeah, <laughs> He's no, so appreciated. And it's so, I mean, I appreciate it. It's fun being a part of it. And it's fun, yeah. like, again, you know, because you're, you're, you're around for nearly 30 years making stuff. Again. Yeah. And so, like, you know, the bar isn't necessarily such that with podcasts, but to work with Andrew has the same aesthetic and the same taste being a skateboarder. Yeah, and, and he so must be learning much, too, learning a lot of things he talks about. Oh, it's insane. I mean, like, no disrespect to skateboarders, but a little bit of a different crowd. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Weird. Like, <laughs> we yeah. have our, we have our dysfunction too. Yeah, every yeah, every well, crowd has our dysfunction. No, but yeah. I mean, you know, like it's it's it my you know, Andrew will tell me like, oh, this guy does this, and I walk away from the interview, and my mind's just blown. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, I, so and I love cool. the way you break things down into too for people from our world that you know, not everybody's been to college, and everybody knows about all this, a lot of science stuff. We had Milo from Descendants, and now we have Andy Huberman later on in life. You know what I'm saying? Like somebody from that world. And you break it down so well that everybody can understand it. You speak so well and straightforward about it. It's not huge words. I just love your approach, man. Oh, and I've learned so much from meeting you and listening to your stuff and talking to you. And it's awesome, man. It's cool. Thank you. Well, one of the you best. You turned out wonderful. Thanks, man. <laughs> can, can my mom listen to this, please? Well, I mean, one of the best things about it, too, is it's brought me full circle back to skateboarding through Mike. Yeah. Like we're going to shoot photos of Jimmy at Wilkins at, well, he's going to shoot the photos again. I'm going to just stand there. I'm going to um, go to that watch, man. That'd be yeah. Sick. Okay. To, uh, and with Tony and, you know, and back in touch with Jim Thibault and, and skateboarders reach out. And so, you know, to me, you know, people always go like, it's now I'm going to start to sound like a kind of one world, one love kind of thing. But the, but the, <laughs> but the web of, but the web of connections brings it right back to the things that you love the most. And, and it, you know, Mike's photos, right. I loved Mike's photos for years. So when we were at that barbecue and, and he's like, Hey, Mike Blayback is here. And I was like, Blayback photo. <laughs> you know, I thought his name was Blayback photo. And then he's I, asking you for advice. Yeah. And then yeah. now he's made the HLP. Everything you see about the HLP and here, everything is because that's the, it's incredible. That's playback. Man. So um, we're all connected, man. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it is crazy. Punk and, and you and, and now we, you know, are in touch about all sorts of things. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. I love having you in my life and meeting you and now Likewise. you in my life and her great things about you and your story and your journey. And everything you've done with photography and not being a filmer, and uh, <laughs> and now podcasts, out there, but now podcasts, and like turning your life around and being yeah, sober, and because you just meet people and they, you know, you ask for advice, and you listen. You're a really good listener too. Yes. you took advice from everybody, just yes. giving you tidbits here and there, yeah. you know. And I really like the both of you. I have to say, I'm gonna, <laughs> and both really good parents. Like I don't have my own kids, but it's like you know, hopefully someday. But it's it's one of these things where. It's like to do all of the stuff while also raising kids, and like it, that's a yeah, that's it's pretty a gnarly. Hero, that's a hero's yeah. feat. It's but pretty, kids are the best. Kids are the best. I you can't know. imagine my life without being a parent. You know, like that's the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, becoming a dad. Yeah, I mean, because you know, like it was twenty four when I had my son, and I was yeah, like, whoa, and you know, still even when Ty, my daughter Ty, came along, I was like, oh boy, you know, like too, this is gnarly, and then it just it just makes you a better person. You and, have to and, step up and like. Yeah, right. and you can't be financially and mentally prepared to have a child. People are like, I have to plan for this. You can never plan to have a kid. If you want to do it with with a girl you're in love with, just do it out of love. Just do it, and, and you just, it happens. You deal with it. You can't be prepared. You can't you can't plan the baby, man. You can't plan the finance, and I want to have this much money saved and this much. I, don't, I think you just got to do it if you want to do it. I certainly and, didn't. What? I certainly didn't plan it all out. <laughs> yeah, you just but you did you were in love, you want to have a child, you want to have a kid, right? That's why you did. That's what happened. Well, I mean, yeah, we and when when Noah's mom and I found out, you know, we were having him, 
I was like, okay. You know, it's like a switch. You yeah. Know, like, man, you know, like. So it, much stress, so much fear. A lot of fear, you know, yeah. a lot, lot more. A lot Just of not knowing. Shooting a lot of pictures, you know, like. Yeah. <laughs> hustling hard. Hustling. Um, you know, and it's changed me and it's, it's a big part of what's made me, you know, change myself or try and work on myself even throughout their whole lives yeah. to make myself a better person. Do you, you think know? being sober makes you a better parent? Absolutely. A thousand percent. I mean, a, a full one eight, like a completely different, you know, cause yeah. kids know, like they know what you're doing. Like no matter what, 100%. if you, it, you know, like, oh, like whatever you know he's eight or he's nine they're not paying they, they're paying attention they remember everything they, do, they see man. everything they, they see know everything. what you're doing and you know i kind of never really thought about that and i never really the impact you know, yeah you know and the impact that that had and they both took notice you know and they they both have said stuff to me about it since wow you know so it's it's amazing it's very rewarding it is to know man. that you know so they listen yeah my son never yeah, Max never had meat. He's never drank or did anything yet, and that's not. And that's not like if that happened, I wouldn't care. He's nineteen years old. Like, if you want to eat meat, try it. You want to drink, try it. Yeah. But he just doesn't do it. And he has no. I doesn't want to do it because of me. You know, what I mean, I never said grow up and be like me. I never, I never said that to him. <laughs> I just try to lead by example, and he just knows that I'm, I'm a hyperactive psycho, um, skateboarder still, and I'm fifty two, and that's because of the lifestyle that I live, I guess, and yeah. I'm high on life. <laughs> you know, I was leading by example. Yeah. You know, like. So I feel like I'm doing that more now so than I ever did throughout their whole lives. Yeah. Over the last three years. And we're not perfect. You can't be a perfect Absolutely human. Not. No. It's crazy. It's like having my, my wife of 26 years and we were best friends and we were boyfriend and girlfriend and all that. And then you get married and then she has the baby and you're in the hospital. And like that's those first 24 hours where all this maternal instincts kick in. She becomes a mom and she's like all of a sudden breastfeeding like, what the fuck? It's so surreal. That 24 <laughs> hours, it's like you see your lady uh, turn into this other part of her. It's beautiful. Then the next couple of days, like here's your kid. Like, Good luck. Take it out to the world. You get this human, man. It's fucking, it's unreal, man. It's really beautiful, man. It is insane. It's cr- And to see her become a mother and not just your lover and your best friend and your partner. Now she's a mom and it's like, she's never been a mom before. I've been a dad before, you know, like, yeah. And those first couple of months where it's like, is this how it's supposed to feel? What am I supposed to do? I'm just changing diapers. Like, it's all about her breastfeeding. Like, wh- when do I get to feel the connection? It's weird for a dad at first. I don't know if you felt that. The first couple of months, like, what, what, what do I do? When, do? when does your kid see you and not when does your kid need you? Because it's about the mom. That shit's so, it's a mind fuck at first. It was for me. Yeah, it's a trip. You I mean, know, I like, never even, no, it was the first baby I'd ever even held. Wow. Like, I was like, whoa, what is this thing? Like, yeah, and it's yours like, forever, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's forever. No, I don't. <laughs> I know, but you will. No, you'll, be, you'll be an amazing dad, Andrew. I love kids. Fuck, I love kids. You're great with kids, yeah. I love kids. You'll be a great kids. dad. Kids are great. It just changes everything. Like, you just see everything different in the world. Like, I could deal with, like, watching violence in movies and shit like that. And I got way soft and way emo after I had a kid, man. <laughs> just crying at everything and not want to see uh, violence or watching the news and then... It's strange, man. Then seeing things, it's like, yeah, it's true. Changes your perspective on the world. Absolutely. It's fucking. And then not growing up with a dad and like all that kicks in. I'm going to see a therapist now. I'm going to announce it on here. Whatever. I got inspired to go. <laughs> it's good. You like destigmatize it. Like and we talked know. about it. I yeah. talked. I totally yeah. talked to you, Rich, about like I'm going to see a therapist, and it's been great. And it's I'm breaking the. Uh, nobody in my family has ever done it. You no, know? it's important to do. I mean, I had to do it. Okay. You know, because I was pretty feral growing up, so I mm. there was a lot I had to untangle. Yeah, You know, and I knew as I got older, as my son got older, you know, I'm like, huh, 
like I probably wasn't the best thing of just like doing what I did growing up. And I wanted to, you know, write the ship as much as I could as yeah. a parent and not have the same cycle. And so I, you know, I, that's why I started, you know, going. So it's, yeah. it's, it's really important to do. I was so scared, man, just going and talking to a stranger. But then after you talked, yeah. it's like, it's amazing. Well, it's interesting because they like point out all this stuff. For me, at least, they pointed out all these things like, yeah, like, you know, I used to run around, you know, skull bandits, guns. And they're just like, whoa. <laughs> Six years old. Yeah, like, what? <laughs> like, how are you here? You totally know, like, normal type, for you. Totally yeah. normal. When in reality, like, that's not really normal. And then I turned around and I was like, oh, wait, like, maybe I, you know, should pay more attention or should, you know, because it's like, that's all, that's your only reality. That's all you know. Yeah. And so that's the dopest thing about it is like, getting someone else's perspective on like parts of your life that you've never shared or even thought were necessary to share with anyone else. It's, yeah. It's amazing. Also becoming a parent, it's like the world doesn't revolve around you anymore. You and your lady. Absolutely Do you know what not. I mean? And like sleep, just all that kind of things <laughs> change and like privacy yeah. and all that. And like everything just totally different. You know what I mean? That part of it's just like, it's not about me anymore. It's like this yeah. You can raise this motherfucker right. You know what I mean? Make sure he turns out great and with love and compassion and all that. Yeah. And it's just, and this, it goes by fast too. And then you, I'm not trying to be morbid, but when you do have a kid, it feels like your life goes by way faster, especially when you're in your 50s and you see like the end game there, like how long we're really going to live. And then your son's this age and you want to be there forever and watch over him as long as you can. And is there somebody up there? Am I going to go there? Am I going to be watching from him? Where am I going? Am I going to be, I don't know. It's fucking, it's kind of morbid to think about sometimes. <laughs> like, what no, happens? It's also just realistic, right? I mean, yeah. I think our the greatest concern of every species is to make more of itself and protect those, you know? Yeah. Protect those offspring. I have a question for you, Andy, too, and I get to ask you on the first episode. Like, I hate needles. I hate the doctor, but I can't stop getting tattooed. I love the, I enjoy the pain of it. Is there something in your brain that is allowing me to, like, why am I scared of one thing, but then I, I'm obsessed with the other thing? I'm guessing it's not about the needle. I'm guessing it's about the doctor. If I came over here with a syringe with just some saline, just some like water <laughs> solution, would you let me give you an injection? Probably because you, you're a doctor. Andrew Huberman. But probably. would you be afraid? Of course I'd be afraid, but I trust you though. It, it seems like there's trust for tattooers. and Yeah. You know, yeah, what is it about doctors that, that freaks you out? I don't know, but it's just, I, was, I want to ask you something in my brain, like how come I can be, be okay with one thing and then the other thing I'm like, nah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like maybe because I, w I want to do this to myself. You yeah, know what I mean? Maybe you think of the injection as it, you know, someone doing something to you that you don't want, like it's invasive. I mean, you could unpack the psychology of it. You could also, you can, do, we could just do some desensitization therapy. I've, I've probably got some, some needles around someplace. We could, uh, <laughs> but Ben, I don't. You know, I'm, I'm very clear. I'm not a drug user. I just, but I'm sure I've got some needles for injecting. Uh, you know, saline or something like that. And then another question for you. What about, what about looking at your phone at night in the dark? That's bad for your brain. Just dim it down. And if you wake up in the middle of the night, try and stay off the thing. But if your mind's really racing, you know, I'll put on uh, like a YouTube thing every once. Well, how about this? Last night I went to bed really early, like nine 30, woke up at midnight 30 or so. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be up all night. I felt like, okay, you know what? I'm going to, I don't want to lie here stressing either. I didn't want to turn the light on, wake up my girlfriend. So I watched, you know, th three episodes of Cobra Kai and passed out. Cobra Kai. Yeah. That's light. That's nice. Yeah. Like you don't have to think too much. <laughs> you know, if you pass out in one episode, start three episodes later, it's basically the same show. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not into it. And so that helps too. And so, you know, sometimes just being able to turn off your brain is fine. Reading's good, but you know, I wouldn't obsess over it. I would just dim it way down. Yeah. And 
I think it's more important perhaps to make sure that you get sunlight in the morning when you can get outside oh, yeah. and get some light, take your coffee or the your sunlight. water. Or, are you, do you drink caffeine? I keep asking you this. I drink your mate like you yeah. drink. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So do, take it outside in the morning and do that. But if you wake up in the middle of the night once and you truly cannot sleep, just don't stay in bed stressing out, get up and go read. You'll, you'll be fine with one night lousy sleep, you know, but yeah. Yeah, dim the lights. And then is there a part of your brain that like blocks out trauma because it wants to protect you? And then later on in life, if you do go to therapy, and they help you unblock those blocks. Is that something the brain does to protect you as a young, sure. young yeah. person? Repressed memories are not um, as common as television and movies would make you think. But what often happens is that something will happen to somebody. It's traumatic. And trauma is defined as something that changes the way that your nervous system works so that you don't respond the same way going forward. It's not just okay. a really bad argument. It's like a really bad argument maybe where somebody screams at you in a way that that makes you feel like uneasy for a few days or for a week okay. or something that could be, or then later you're still thinking about it. It's the people tend to, when really bad things happen to us, people tend to keep it inside and yeah. they have like a secret narrative about it and they try and hide it. They try and cover it up with alcohol. They try and cover it up with sometimes too much, you know, just n not thinking about it. Right. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be with drugs or alcohol. It's, it's very clear that writing it out or talking about it to a trusted friend or a therapist or journaling um, yeah. know, can really help because there's something about putting it into a narrative that normalizes not the experience, but the feelings about the experience. Got you putting in a song lyrics. Yeah. I mean, you said you're just going to a therapist. Now I would say you've been going to therapy for a long time. In addition, even though I think it's great that you're doing that. I mean, you've been doing that like a catharsis, like you get up on stage and jump around for with sure. your body yell you scream you sing you move it out or like skateboarding True. i mean one of Same the things thing, that was hard about leaving skateboarding frankly is i felt like i could work and work and work but i never i used to think to myself i never slam like i, I remember like going home like like with a hip or like just being in so much pain but as like i took skateboarding you know or making it and you know with, in, with work i felt like i could work until i could collapse yeah and this guy works like a maniac too. yeah it sounds like it in <laughs> fact i think these days it's been the conversations have been more about like how to throttle back get enough sleep take good care because work is can also become a form of self-abuse mm. so you want to keep, keep it in, time keep rest. it in check well just like touring right yeah i mean you can exhausting demolish yourself and relationships with touring right yes uh, so <laughs> um yeah i think it's you know it's not everything in moderation necessarily. It's just, you know, take good, take good care of, uh, we had a guest on the podcast of uh, Paul Conti who's a psychiatrist, extremely smart, very grounded, not just about drug treatments, but all treatments talk therapy. And he said, you know, the most important thing is first principles of self care. Like we always think how we can give, 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 but it's make sure you're not getting enough rest, nutrition, social connection, nutrition. Like I think I said nutrition twice, but the, the it's just so important. And then you have so much more to give. Yeah, but people often get at the other background. They they put they try and burn their life on the altar of some thing, and then eight years later, you're wondering why that person is on pills or why that person is depressed or maybe that person is you. You really have to play the long game, work hard, but also take really good care. Yeah, super important. I like the I like talking to Andrew the whole podcast about skateboarding. That's but then when you ask him questions, it's a different Andrew speaking. It's like serious, and you want to fucking. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll I'm gonna go it. put my science, my <laughs> professor costume on. Yeah. Do you find, like, do you find yourself asking him questions, getting advice all the time about shit because he's yeah. there and he's your his friend? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, also like you were saying earlier, like you know, if 
you know, we interviewed Matt Walker about sleep and I was like terrified. I'm like, oh my God, I got to go home and sleep. Like I got to like, <laughs> yeah. this is gnarly. Or, you know, like yeah, yeah, we're yeah. On, a, on a Lemke about addiction and we were yes. talking about so many of our friends that unfortunately are stuck in that loop of pills or whatever it is. And um, yeah. yeah, we're really blessed with the podcast that these amazing, like the people we bring through are amazing. And, you know, we like to think that the world wouldn't necessarily hear from them unfortunately and otherwise so yeah it's nice yeah the voice the platform but i also go to this guy for advice and not just about photos and like the aesthetic <laughs> on something like i gotta say for all the not like book knowledge like i still have major areas of struggle i come to you for that I come yeah to rich roll for that other people too you know i i definitely have my pain points and all the knowledge in the world is is not gonna um eliminate one's own blind spots so that's why you need friends it's, it's a good, yeah. great you know? point man. absolutely we always something we can help each other with or talk about experiences yeah. and stuff you know what i mean like it's beautiful man yeah that's why i love these conversations just face to face talking and did you ever do zoom podcast before we've done one with a guy who wouldn't leave his house okay of, because of uh the pandemic Respect. yeah uh, yeah he had a uh an, i think a family member that made it such that he didn't want to go out but we won't we really like in person. Me too, man. And um, it's, it's awesome, dude. Yeah, it's amazing. Well, I appreciate you being here, sharing your journey, and no, thank you for having me. I'm stoked to see what, what you're up to next. You know, maybe another book, maybe who knows? Yep. Just what, what about directing or a documentary or something like that for you or anything? No, nah. no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no film, just photos. No, you know, <laughs> it, uh, you know, I I do do some commercial work for people, and if a client is like, "Do you do motion?" I'm like, "Yeah, absolutely." I hire someone like Martin, for example, yeah, uh, to you know just direct them through and like, hey, look at this photo, shoot it like this, do that. Um, but you know, I, I think working on the podcast with Andrew is an amazing opportunity, and it's so much fun to be a part of it, yeah, and work with your friends. So more of that, um, you know, I'd love to do another book one of these days. Who knows? But you know, just you know, I like to k- just keep working hard and plowing through life and looking forward and seeing where it takes me. So I love that, man. Yeah. You have any questions, Max, for these guys? Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Do we cover everything with him, Andrew? I think we have. And just, yeah, thanks to you both. I mean, Toby, you've made a huge impact on my life in the short time we've known one another. Same, bro. Same, man. And Mike, you, you know, your impact on my life has been tremendous and positive in every way. Yeah. I love your up. journey from a small town in Ohio to like, just basically doing what you love, taking photos and where that took you, you know? Yeah, it's insane. I mean, it's a trip. Like, it honestly is. I, I can't can't imagine. Just showing up to San Francisco, hanging out, skating, and just meeting people. Yep. It's crazy. Yeah. And just somebody responded to you in, in a, a letter or a postcard. and Yeah. I mean, I feel very like just to purely be doing what I love doing and trying to do the best job I can at doing that and just moving forward. And that's... You know, that's how Andrew and I met and yeah. that's how we started the podcast. It's the same train of thought for everything. It's It's been amazing. Awesome. And, and Andrew, I know you hate talking about brands, but thank you for the, uh, Athletic Greens. They changed my life. <laughs> Aren't they delicious? And for the plunge, man. Thank you so much, man. Making you it bet. happen. Life changing. <laughs> yeah, cold water and Athletic Greens. Uh, <laughs> it's perfect. Change. They're amazing, you know. it's a, And if you don't have a plunge, you can get in a cold shower. It's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> <laughs> We're about to do it right now. I'm excited. Yep. All right, thank you, everybody, for listening. Thank That's you. good. Peace, thank bye. I always ask my guests if they have any regrets. I personally don't have any regrets. Even when it comes to my tattoos, I have the silliest tattoos. Even my ET on my leg, it's still a childhood memory for me, and I love it. I've had tattoos on top of tattoos strictly because I wanted more tattoos. 
I started getting tattoos when I was 18. I'm 52 now and I can't stop. I've had lazy treatment before on something on my arm. It's four tattoos on top of each other. And that experience at that place was pretty fast. It was pretty cold. It was in and out, swiped the credit card. Don't really tell me much. Didn't give me much details or anything was going to happen. So I never went back. So as of most recently, I'm so lucky enough to have had two sessions at Removery Tattoo Removal. My tattoo on my arm that looks like a big black blob is now super light. I've had two sessions. I have a long road ahead of me. None of this stuff happens overnight. You cannot take a tattoo off in one sitting. You have to be patient. And it's painful. They ice you up. It's super fast. To me, it felt like a bunch of rubber bands. But what's more painful than that is looking at something on your body that you think you're stuck with for the rest of your life. That sucks. But now for me, I'm really happy I started this journey. I'm slowly going to get this tattoo removed. I never thought in a million years I have any kind of real estate on my arm. I don't even know what I want, but it's exciting. I'm so honored to announce that One Life, One Chance podcast is now with Removery. I have a code. Use TobyH20 and get $100 off your first session. Call 866-934-4570 or go to Removery.com. One of the most experienced tattoo remover companies in the world. Over 600,000 removal treatments done, 100 locations, U.S., Canada, and Australia. State-of-the-art peak-away laser technology, cryotechnology to reduce any discomfort. This is so exciting for me because all I do in these podcasts is talk about tattoos. From day one, if you've been listening to this podcast, we talk about tattoos, talk about getting removed, talk about getting covered up. So this is such a perfect fit for me. Once again, go to removery.com or call 866-934-4570. Use my code TOBYH20 and get $100 off. These guys are located everywhere. Try it out. Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death, thank you so much for hydrating all my guests, taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water, love your brand, love what you stand for, love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst. Stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. <laughs>